0: Hello, I'm Jeff Lester, and welcome to Wait, What?, a comics and pop culture podcast coming to you from the not-so-solitary fortress that is WaitWhatPodcast.com. Today, after a very long-seeming hiatus, Graham McMillan and I more or less remember each other enough to strike up a two-plus-hour conversation about the scary world of sales figures, the first issues of Platinum End, Vision, Monstrous, James Bond, Varger, Klaus, and Unfollow. The second issues of Paper Girls and Survivors Club, The Dark Side War, Al Ewing books on Marvel Unlimited, Jumping Off Points, and much, much more. Show notes are available at waitwhatpodcast.com. We welcome your comments and questions at waitwhatpodcast at gmail.com. And we invite you to look out for us on Twitter, Tumblr, and Patreon. As always, we hope you enjoy, and thank you for listening.
1: Jeff Lester!
0: Graham McMillan.
1: That is who I am. And that is who you
0: I really feel you should have a whole scary, messianic, hippie speech prepared there, because that's... um
1: (laughs) Where I tell them who they are? Yeah,
0: exactly. (laughs)
2: Exactly.
0: I'll tell you, listeners,
1: (laughs) you're part of the body of By listening to this podcast, you've joined us. (laughs) (laughs) Utterly,
0: utterly terrifying. Well done. Completely Terrifying.
1: What is really sad is you can't even see me doing a face. Oh,
0: are you doing some sort of evil face, too? I was!
1: I was, and I was holding it in the silence, and then I had this moment of, oh, that's right, it's a podcast.
0: No one can see me.
1: No one has any idea. Hello, Jeff Lester. And as I sent you an email earlier on this morning, it feels like it's been forever since we've done this. Really
0: does, doesn't it? There was something that, on the one hand, I was I was very grateful to to take advantage of that sort of five week month that we do the three podcasts for, and like take my birthday week off. And then there was that that chunk, like maybe just. Two weeks earlier, but yeah, it kind of feels like uh, I'm like, oh, right, Graham McMillan. It's it's one of those things that's really goofy. I really do think that uh, I'm going to have to start figuring out a way to, like, Skype you in our off weeks just for, like, 20 or 30 minutes because otherwise it's just –
1: It feels off. Emails aren't the same, Jeff.
0: They They are not. They are no. not this is so exciting. I look forward to this podcast being uh uh repackaged ten years from now as an educational uh what went wrong with human intimacy course
1: <laughs> oh, I told you I read that book the uh as sorry book right
0: oh yeah, you told me you were reading it did that and it did... actually
1: has that part in it uh... it has a part where they talk about uh so they bring in lots of focus groups for the the book the book. Whatnots, I should say, is called Modern Romance. And it's uh, Aziz Ansari, the comedian and uh, actor from Parks and Recreation, exploring the way that people have romantic relationships, Mm -hmm. Uh, specifically around, I kind of want to say millennials, but also not really, Mm -hmm. but but the way in which uh, people of, I would say, 30 and and under have relationships compared with their parents. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, and so he brings in, he's working with a sociologist for the book, and they bring in uh, focus groups. Mm-hmm. And they bring in focus groups, but you can only come to their focus group if you also bring your parent. Oh, wow. Uh, and they have this, this meeting where the 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 young group, mm-hmm. while they're waiting for it to start, are all quiet and looking at their phones. And the older group are all talking to each other. <laughs> because that's what you do.
2: hmm mm-hmm. mm-hmm.
1: If you're of a certain age and you're waiting, you don't instinctively go on in your phone. right? You know, you're like, hey, stranger, I'm going to strike up a conversation. Whereas all of the youngsters were like, I can check, you know, Twitter or the internet or my email or anything. Yeah. So, yeah, so it, the, there is an exploration in that about
0: intimacy and the way that people interact now or mm-hmm. don't. and And do they make any conclusions about uh about the where we're heading sort of concept they
1: don't really make any conclusions about where we're heading but they talk to a scientist who believes that people's conversational muscles are atrophying Mm -hmm. because they don't they literally don't get the workout that they used to
2: Hmm.
1: because people are are having less face-to-face
0: conversations
2: Mm
1: -hmm. so podcasts are the future jeff
0: Yes. Yeah, boy, that's for sure. Where everyone sort of listens in is like, conversations. I remember those. (laughs) Meanwhile, you and I, who have totally forgotten because we're just as isolated as everyone else, are just sort of rambling at each other. So anyway, Graham, as I was saying, smiley emoji, happy emoji, flaming turd.
1: (laughs) Flaming turd emoji. It's it's the best. Hey, Jeff, were you upset that Twitter changed their stars to hearts this week?
0: You know... I, I gotta say uh, <laughs> apart from uh, I mean my first reaction really was like wait this is a joke right like it's it's really funny I mean it, to me I mean on the one hand <coughs> on the one hand I swallowed a little bit of peanut and I just can't seem to shake it free so I apologize if I if I don't oh, mute no, myself this why often.
1: not uh, I should let you know now that, now that Jeff says that this is the last episode of Wait Bot. Uh, <laughs> Sadly recorded while Jeff choked to death on a peanut.
0: My God. You know, last time we talked, I was joking about me having an on-air stroke, and you're like, don't say that, don't say that. And of course, now, next episode, <laughs> it's like, hey, listen up, everyone. Five dollars, whoever guesses get it when Jeff actually Jeff expires. <laughs> right on air. Yeah, um, uh, you know, I got to say part of me was like, I think it's really, there's a little bit of, I mean, it's the the problem with the ironic generation is is like anything you try and put out a fire with, uh, it sort of seems like it's going to end up just being gasoline, even if you intend it to be water. Because the idea is like, you know, Twitter is such a contentious shit throwing tent of hatred. These days, the idea that you're going to actually then either, put sir. some, like, hearts in there to, like, remind you. I'm just like, man, I'm not fucking hate-hearting that tweet. I'm I'm actually, like, hating that guy. I, this is going to really make things difficult for me. And yet, you know, apart from that, I really I really don't care. I was amazed by how many people were kind of like,
2: no. It
0: yeah,
1: actually seems to legitimately care as opposed to, you know what, you guys, it doesn't matter.
0: Right. Right. Yeah, exactly. I mean, there were a lot of people who were like, oh my God, I can't wait. You know, I like, I changed this into my donut emoji or a beer emoji. And I'm like, oh, that sounds awesome. And I click through on the instructions on it and I'm like... I'm not installing an app that allows me to re-script my it's pages.
1: Like, what the fuck? That sounds like work.
0: It sounds like work, and it just really seems like the stupidest, like, oh, I mean, I'm sure that these pages are no more exploitable than any other page on the internet, and yet part of me also thinks having it to install, like, an actual script commander extension that, like, Someone else gets to keep track of, you know, just so that I can change it from like a heart. Clearly, it shouldn't be a heart. It should just be a suspicious pair of eyes darting side to side for me. That's uh that's this, obviously what it should be.
1: You saying that reminds me, and I'm going to have to log into my library to get the name of this. I'm reading this great book right now about the uh, Stuxnet, the Stuxnet virus. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. um and the discovery thereof. But also the creation thereof. Mm. Counts down to zero day is what it's called.
2: Hmm.
1: Uh, and it is great, Jeff. Hmm. It is absolutely wonderful. It basically takes this real life story and turns it into a super exciting James Bond esque thriller. Huh. And so, highly recommended. Hmm. Countdown, Countdown to zero day.
0: Countdown to zero?
1: Countdown to zero day.
0: Zero day, thank you. Yeah, I, I, for some reason, just. Missed the end
1: of that Uh, welcome One us to a podcast about comic
0: books <laughs> <laughs> That is true Well, I didn't get to talk I, I was like, everyone, thanks to uh, a, a certain very generous, uh podcasting co-host for my birthday i received an electronic copy of the journalist and the murderer which i am enjoying tremendously that is is as we when we
1: cease recording i am going to be asking you lots of questions about that
0: yeah yeah well okay i mean i'm sort of like i can gab about that and i can gab about some of these comic type books that i've been reading well i want to uh but graham you've got some actual stuff on your chest
1: I'll open the tease that I gave you an email today. Yeah,
0: yeah, please do. Uh,
1: so in email this morning, ladies and gentlemen, uh, I emailed Jeff to check that we were recording at the normal time. And at the time I said, I've done some math and I've worked out how much money DC is making on Prez. Wow. And I should explain my, my working here. Yeah, for your it.
0: methodology, I guess.
1: Uh, I was looking yesterday, uh, being the Wednesday before you're hearing this, people, Uh, At sales figures, Mm
2: -hmm.
1: in part because I was looking to find out what percentage of Marvel sales were the Star Wars books.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: And the answer is a staggering 20%, which is genuinely stunning. Yeah. Because they did, I think, five Star Wars books in September out of 79 books. And yet it amounts to... 20% Twenty percent of the sales, and that's not even twenty percent of the money, because if you think about it, Star Wars books are actually a little bit more expensive.
0: Oh, right, because none of them are less than three ninety nine, yeah. and some of the-,
1: the issue of uh, Journey to Force Awakens, I think, was four ninety
0: nine.
1: So yeah, so in other words, Star Wars is really working out for Marvel. Yeah. But in the process, I was doing a lot of like just looking up and down the list, and I saw basically the prez issue. Four, I think hey, five.
0: Graham, I don't mean yeah. to, I don't mean to cut in because, well, because that's exactly what I'm doing. But I do want to say for people who don't follow the wait, what, uh, podcast Tumblr where Graham, uh, cited some of those little stats. Do you want to uh, mention that other great little factoid about the Star Wars books?
1: Uh, if you tell me which factoid you're talking about,
2: I,
0: that you told me – well, I, if I remember correctly, didn't, didn't you say that if the Star Wars books were their oh, own yeah. comic if, line, if they would be
2: – yeah. They
1: would be the fourth biggest comic line in the American market.
0: The fourth biggest comic line, just from the Marvel Star Wars books. So that that's like Marvel DC and they actually and super
1: then... close to Image. So Marvel's total Star Wars sales and all of this, all of these numbers that I'm going to give are based on the Comicron estimates mm-hmm. because no one has publicly released official figures. Right. Okay. So there's a lot of fuzzy math in all of this. Forgive me in advance. Marvel's estimate sales for Star Wars books is. 551,880
2: mm-hmm.
1: Okay Images total <laughs> Orders is six thousand six hundred ninety-two thousand mm-hmm. and nineteen. So they're really not that far apart
2: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: It's also worth noting that If you look at the uh, Publisher percentages mm-hmm. The drop between image and the actual Fourth which is IDW is significant Oh yeah It's like 11% down to 4% Oof oof. So Star Wars would be significantly higher than Mm -hmm, mm IDW, which is just staggering.
2: Mm
1: -hmm. Uh, Anyway, Prez issue four sold shit. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: Prez is selling, a lot of the DCU books are selling very, very poorly, but Prez sold really poorly. Mm -hmm. Prez sold uh, 8,931 copies.
0: Ooh, really?
1: Yeah. Ooh. Okay, which is really bad.
0: hmm
1: Because I... I have no idea why I did this, but this was in the back of my mind all yesterday after I found this out. I was like, Kate Leth put actual numbers out for how much it makes to make a comic.
2: hmm
1: How much does press cost to make? hmm And so Kate Leth put this out on Twitter. And... Not... Sorry, not Kate Leth. Um... Alex DeCampy put this out on Twitter. Oh yeah, Alex
0: DeCampy's like pay rates thing. Yeah.
1: Yes, and it's available uh, on a Storyfy as well, which is where I found it when I looked for it. But the long and the short of it is, it costs nine thousand dollars mm. to make Prez based on the low end of the big two pay scale.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So it might cost more. It. Right. Okay.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Nine thousand dollars. Prez because it sold eight thousand nine hundred thirty-one copies,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and it's two ninety-nine,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and DC only gets sixty percent of that. Right. Made DC seventeen thousand eight hundred two dollars and forty-six cents.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Okay. However, if you go and look at Jim Zubs' idea of how much a comic costs to print,
2: mm-hmm.
1: he suggests that eighty cents per copy is a good figure. Mm-hmm. So the printing costs for press are seven thousand one hundred forty-four dollars and eighty cents. Hmm. So if you add that seven thousand one hundred forty-four dollars and eighty cents plus nine thousand dollars, which cost to actually the creatives to make, right? Prez issue four costs sixteen thousand one hundred forty-four dollars and eighty cents. <sighs> wow! Which DC made one thousand six hundred fifty-seven dollars
0: on that book. Interesting.
1: Now, again, all of this is fuzzy math.
0: Right, right. There's lots um, of various there's factors. There's lots of
1: things there. that we're not counting in there. For example,
2: mm-hmm.
1: what if DC prints more copies? Uh, what if the Patriots are wildly off? Mm-hmm. What uh, the the Diamond figures also do, are only North American figures. Mm-hmm. They don't count any international sales beyond that. Also, don't count any digital sales beyond that.
2: Hmm.
1: Okay, so in other words, Prez did sell more copies than that. Sure. De- right. Right. Uh, but you've also got the impact factor in it they also have to pay to print them.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, like, for example, there might have been 8,931 orders, but mm-hmm. there's definitely at least 9,000 copies printed. Right. Uh, if only because there's print copies, there's comp copies, there's copies that uh, Diamond has as replacements.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I mean, like, there, there are additional copies floating out there. Right. Uh, so, but the short answer is DC probably made very little money on Prez.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And in the orders are falling dramatically.
0: Yes, because that's true.
1: It's possible that by issue six, the last issue is run, DC will not make any money on Prez. Right,
0: right. is that crazy? That is crazy. That's, I mean, it's it's crazy on many levels. It's crazy because Prez is, well, this, this is where I get to talk out my ass. My understanding is Prez is a good book. I'm still like issues behind, or something like that. I,
1: I, I, Price is on issue five now, so maybe you are you saying you only read issue one?
0: Yeah, I still haven't picked up. I like I can't, I can't find two, so even though I've bought three and four, I haven't bought issue five because I'm like I'm not buying issue five until I find issue two. <laughs> uh, I
1: think to find get an issue two up here. I think what's that? Are you saying you can't just can't find it in San Francisco?
0: I I, I no, I mean I can't find it in in San Francisco in my apartment because i bought it
1: bought issue two yes <laughs> jeff Lester.
0: yeah yeah i'm 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 not i'm not i'm not proud about it is this is not this is not this is not me humble bragging so uh, <laughs> but but it's also kind of interesting uh, to me i'm fascinated by the the idea that like on the one hand that is so little money that dc's like it's not worth publishing one would assume because you know we Heard that at least back in the day, it although Marvel's got a much higher cutoff point than DC. DC, I think, really is not happy. Like if books drop, <laughs> if books head toward ten thousand, that's not good. And if they drop and, and below Mar- it,
1: on Marvel's is really twenty thousand. Yeah,
0: exactly. But but the fact would be is is that that although again, fuzzy math, Prez is not necessarily losing money it's not it's not making the optimal amount of money which is the way that of course everyone thinks about sure. these things these days sure
1: it's but. its not actively losing money yeah uh i and you know well uh, no it's probably not losing money because i was like well you've also got the production costs and you've got the editors and, you know mm-hmm. and all that's got to be factored in right but it's probably not losing money mm-hmm mm-hmm by the time it gets to issue six, maybe it is,
0: well, yeah, which is which is why this stuff, I think gets gets nipped in the bud because you know, and then there of course, thanks to <laughs> thanks to our our wonderful pal Brian hibbs, we we also know that you know, for retailers, the complaint is is that having a book that on the marketplace that sells so many copies that is there is kind of a pain in the ass for all involved because. Having books that, that retailers are stocking only one or two copies of anyway means that they're not seeing any profit on the stuff that they sell at that level.
1: Yeah. It's, it's – the whole thing is just – it was just very strange mm-hmm. uh, because – and I think I've said this before in the podcast. Prez is one of those books that the internet wants DC and Marvel to be making. Sure. And to see it not only not supported, because, like, none of the DCU books are being supported by the market. Right. You look at the sales of something like Midnighter and it's horrendous. Mm, hmm But, like, Prez is, Prez mm. is horrible, horrible. Yeah. Um, and and seeing that by the end of its run. And remember, there's supposed to be a second six-issue series after this.
0: hmm Which I would be shocked if they're going to do with those numbers, right?
1: It's, well, unless they release a collection and the collection is great the bookstore market but if literally Press Issue 6 doesn't make money for DC I would not blame them for not doing a collection
2: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. sure
1: uh, so uh, all of this is just
0: kind of depressing really <laughs> Yeah, it is. Well, I mean there there's a lot going on there. There is can't
1: really blame, I can't really blame DC for going we're making like a thousand dollars in this book.
0: No, no. I, I mean bother. I, you know, I, as far as I'm concerned, DC did 60 to 70% of things right, which is which is a pretty good high percentage, but the fact is is that the DCU books got a lot of internal Ad space. There were preview issues that were released that were more or less freestanding, you know, um, previews that, as opposed to just being random globs that that people like me always complain they don't like. Well, so, exactly.
1: There was, there was original work.
0: Yeah, yeah. So uh, I mean, I,
1: it's, yeah, and there were there were you know they released digitally for free. Yeah, uh, there was there was a lot of uh, media reach out.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: it's just uh, people don't want it well That's I'm saying to. I, 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 we've we've talked to we talked a little bit about the fact that dc was uh, also at a stage where their retail relations appear to be uh it's disastrous at, yeah at an all-time low and that w- is maybe not the best time to to do a mini launch of books that at the very least would require a lot of hand selling on the part of retailers. Mm-hmm. The retailers just, clearly uh, weren't going to put that effort yeah. into it.
1: It's it's just it's going to be this is going to end up being the DCU thing is going to end up being a probably a failure. Mm-hmm. And be something that people will look back at.
0: Oh, completely. As an oddity, yeah. I, well, not just as an oddity. I, I, well, an oddity in the sense that everyone's walking away from, with the idea of like, yeah, we're not going to do that again. Now, what "quote unquote" that ends up being is is really unsure. My worry Oops. is is that it's going to be like, you know what? Don't listen to the internet. Which, you know that thing is, that's not the worst advice. No. Well, I mean the, the problem is is in terms of hmm, pragmatically, no, it's true. I mean the, the fact the fact that we do not have snakes on a plane too, you know, uh, is is a sign <laughs> that that uh, other media it is, have it's learned. A
1: sign. That's true. Yeah, is a
0: sign. But I mean I think it's a sign that other media have like, you know, also had to learn this lesson, and yet, interestingly enough, there is a lot of, you know, my worry is is that it means that people are going to be like, you know, what female characters don't don't sell unless they're, you know, unless people come up with the different reasons. I mean, I don't know if you remember this, but this is one of the things that that used to, you know make Hibbs' eyes, like, spin around in his head is when the first Frank Miller uh, Dark Knight uh, Returns came out and it sold, like, through the roof, like, you know, and to the point where they had gone back for second second, and third printings or whatever, the, the, the honest-to-God um, explanation being put out by DC Marketing at the time was that everyone loved the format, Mm. you know? And, and I mean, that is kind of ridiculous. Thank God, you know, in a way we've moved beyond those times, but they really were like, no, the, I forget what the fuck it's called. It's not square. The prestige. Thank you. The, Hey, the prestige, the prestige format was, you know, they, they slapped it on a bunch of different books that didn't necessarily do as well. So maybe they did in fact eventually learn their lesson, you know, and God knows it's, you know, that, that now that we're on the eve of Dark Knight three, um, you know, uh, and, and you don't hear a lot about the format. So there's there's a lot of ways in which people can draw the wrong or lessons, or are quick to to, to miss miss the forest for the trees. It could very well be that people are going to walk out of this saying like, yeah, you can't have you can't have a book, you know, that that the internet will tell you what it wants, but you can't listen to it. And, and the fact is, is that that honestly, you know, white straight male hero characters sell. But even that you can push back on by looking at the sales figures. Yeah, oh, sure.
1: Absolutely. You know, like when you look at, you just need to look at the sales edition and Green Lantern. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Which is what, issue 45 now? Uh, and it's significantly lower than it was like even two years ago. Yeah. 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 I think, I think if DC takes, I think if DC takes the wrong lesson from this, mm-hmm. and. Let's be honest. It probably will. Mm-hmm. Historically, that that has been shown to probably be the case. I think what it's going to take is not that, uh, that it has to be a white straight male hero that sells, but that
0: it has to be a name creator. Uh, maybe I mean maybe do you, I, I? What's your idea of a name? Because again, trying to 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 backtrack. I mean, personally, I think everyone's gonna the first thing that, that DC would be quick to do is like, you know what? They're, oh, they're go sort of, go back to the quote unquote classic heroes, definitely. Yeah, it's going to go back to the classic heroes. It's going to look at you know the the Batgirl of Burnside that that sort of more or less jump started all the DCU books in a way. Um, And they're just going to be like, you know what? It's, it's a Batman book. Like you can put, you can, you can, there's a reason why we have a Batman family of titles. And those titles are, they can sell at a basic level that gets a certain number of eyeballs. And then if you get the right creators behind the wheel or you get the right take then they can take off. But you can't but there's turn also around books to
1: push back against that. Cause Gotham Academy sales are in the toilet.
0: Well, yeah, but I mean, Gotham Academy sales are, I mean, first off, I would say that Gotham Academy is much farther from the superhero template than. Batgirl oh yeah. Is. yeah. So I think that, so I mean, sure. At that point you can sort you think of think it's got to be a compliment
1: splitting. of events. It's got to be a superhero book. It's got to be a bat book. It's right. got to have the right creators.
0: Yeah, exactly. Exactly. You know, it, it, uh, I, I'm, I'm, I am uh, hand-ringy about getting off this specific topic by, by bringing up a specific book um, that might change the flow of the conversation. But did you read the first issue of Vision from, uh, from Marvel this week? I did, and that was a book that I wanted to talk to you about. Oh, good.
1: Uh, to, I take it you did as well.
0: I did, I
1: did, yeah. The, this, um, hmm? the vision, I, I kept going back to the first, Issue round table that we had a few weeks ago on the site. Mm-hmm. For people who only listen to the podcast and don't read the site, uh, Jeff and I and Matt Terrell did a three part, I think, yeah. written round table about a number of, of first issues, which were Paper Girl, Doctor Strange, Survivor's Club, and oh, Batman and Robin Eternal. Um, and we, we sort of took part the notion of the first issue there mm-hmm. and, and vision struck me as, as a different type of first issue in that I finished it, I liked it, I pretty much realized that I was going to wait on the collection.
2: Mm,
0: why is that?
1: Because it's clearly a book that's not going to last for long. Mm-hmm. Uh, also clearly a book that is intended as a finite story. Mm. Um, and it's got such a slow burn and it's at three ninety nine, mm-hmm. that I honestly was like, I would rather pay the $18 and get a chunk of it. Mm-hmm. Then pay $4 and, and get, uh,
0: I know this is good, but I'm unsatisfied by it. It's, it's, it's very... interesting. I found it, I found that first issue pretty goddamn satisfying for me. I mean, now again, this is the guy who, who is behind on a bunch of his DCU books. Cause I, I again, I haven't been, uh, I'm, I'm even a few issues behind on Grayson, I think, but I'm not – I haven't – I've got the, the issues of Omega Men uh, kind of stockpiled but haven't read it. And in some ways, it, this – the first issue of Vision reminded me of the first issue of uh, Omega Men a lot in that it's ambitious. It's we're, of a piece. Same guy. <laughs> yeah, same – well, same guy. Well, no, but I mean I, I was afraid you were going to laugh at me because, of course, one of them is like – you know, an interstellar space opera, you know, uh, and... and... I, I wouldn't
1: laugh, but I would say that uh, Vision struck me as ambitious, but much more reader-friendly. Vision struck me as the the book that someone who has had the experience of the first issue of Mega Man and the reaction to it,
2: mm-hmm. uh,
1: the one that they write next, mm-hmm. when they're probably also being told to make it safer for readers. Hmm.
0: Which is interesting to me because vision felt like, uh, uh, to, to use the, the, the parlance of Omega man, it felt a little bit like a suicide bombing. Like part of me was like, this is brilliant. I mean, there were pages of that, that I was kind of in awe of. Uh, and yet at the same time, I'm like, and this is going to sound ridiculously reductive, but part of me is like, Marvel's core readership is not going to really take to this, you know? Well,
1: yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's quite clearly a book, not a book that is born to die, but, you know, this if this book was called anything other than The Vision and was exactly the same book as was being published to Image, it would be more warmly welcomed. Yeah. And, and more successful.
2: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
1: Because the people who – the audience who pick this up wanting the vision,
2: mm-hmm.
1: either from the Avengers or from the Avengers movie,
2: mm-hmm.
0: are not going to
1: want this book.
0: Yeah. Yeah, uh, I mean that that's the thing. Well, on the other hand, I mean – And know, the people
1: who would want what the book is mm-hmm. might be scared away by the fact that it's a fucking Avengers book.
0: Right. right. And then on top of that, to slice it one more time, we've got the people like you who thought that it was good but – like, too much of a slow burn that you wanted to wait for the trade.
1: The, yeah, it really was. The – the. I mean, can we go into spoilers here or not?
2: Yeah, I
1: – There's something that happens in, like, the last four issues – the last four pages of the book.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, that is dramatically different
2: mm-hmm.
1: from everything that comes before. And it's also clearly the event that is going to drive the series going forward in many ways.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and there was something about that in particular, like if that hadn't been there,
2: mm-hmm.
1: I would have liked the issue more. If that had happened earlier, I would have liked the issue more. The, the placement of that scene, the execution of that scene,
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh, and the fact that it's then followed by Marvel's, do you want to know what happens next? Okay. Pick up issue
0: two. Let's one. just say, is just, that the most, what is up with that campaign? That's, that, that,
1: that's a genuine campaign that is happening in all the first issues.
0: I know, which I've seen in a few others.
1: It's the funniest, funniest thing, right?
0: Yeah. It
1: it's... <laughs> tries you too. Thanks. I never would have worked that out in my life.
0: Well, um... It is weird. It's like, are they suggesting, like, do they really think that people aren't going to know? Do they think people are going to read? Raise... Like, I really can't figure out what's going on with that. What
1: What's going on is that if if rumors are, are true, Shelby say, Mm-hmm. Uh, all the creators were basically told that they have to end issue one on a dramatic event mm. that will stave off the second issue drop-off.
0: That's impossible. And so,
1: and so the, the what happens next is, is a campaign specifically to be like, do you see what just happened? Yes. Come on. Right. Um, which is, which is insane.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: For Because the second issue drop-off is not because people forget to buy the second issue. It's that they tried the first issue and don't like it.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. Um, Or they might not even have tried it. The retailers might just have been over-optimistic with their
0: orders. Well, well, see, that's it. It is very rare, like, like, uh, unless you are a super new retailer, unless Marvel is going to do a lot of ridiculous incentives for the second issue – The marketplace is trained to cut back on its orders for the second. It's a historical fact. You know, it's, it may be a truism that proves, you know, itself, but the, the fact of the matter is, is that people, the reason why Marvel like puts out new number ones all the time is, is because people pick them up because of their collectability and then they don't come back for issue two. So, you know, the, the drop for second issues.
1: that campaign is there specifically for that reason. Yeah, to well, prevent that. Because they want to drive readers to pick up the second issue as well. Which even if it worked
2: mm-hmm. would
1: still be ridiculous because the drop would then happen on issue three. Right. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> like it it's 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 a weirdly short termist artificial campaign. Yeah, but yeah. hey, Marvel. Um <laughs> <laughs> But no, there the the there's just there's something about that closing scene. That just made me think that, I don't know, it felt like it was the, and here's the the action scene. right? Do you know what I mean? Like, it felt, that's why I'm saying it's, it felt safe.
0: Well, I mean, don't you because think, it, based it, on what you said, that they, that he oh, yeah. might, I, must I, have felt I compelled to? Yeah,
1: I'm entirely sure that's what it is. Right. But, but I really didn't like it. Do you know what I mean? Like, that, that, that felt utterly unnecessary. If the entire issue had been what came before. Mm-hmm. Which was very measured and very, not just cynical, but, like, wonderfully dark. Yes. Because it was wonderfully uh, dismissive of the vision's dreams Hmm.
0: to me. Interesting. Which
1: And vision is quite clearly, or for me at least, uh, representing a particular American viewpoint. Mm -hmm. And so to then... Be so dismissive of his of his viewpoint of, of of what he's going through right um was was fascinating mm-hmm. and and the idea that A, you do that with the vision
2: mm-hmm.
1: you know the vision in American beauty is an interesting concept to me mm-hmm. you know um vision in American beauty, but guess what his wife's killed the dudes is <laughs> significantly less interesting,
0: right. Well, I, I, hmm. okay. Well, there's a there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of things done. Pack here, as they say. For one thing, I have to say, when I heard about it, even for me, the vision in American Beauty. Part of me was like, uh, you know, I don't know why there there's. I it it reminded me a lot of when we of our big Avengers read through, and there's that weird long section. Uh, of you know, in Roger Stern's run, where Vision's like smiling and happy and like everything's under control, and meanwhile he's you know basically planning on taking over the American government and manipulating yes. the Avengers, and somehow all of this ends up to him like punching a blow dryer in a, in, inside a, a lawnmower man reality or something. But um I, there's a weird. There's What I found fascinating about reading this is kind of like, you know, the Vision, who's a character who very much started out as being the Marvel version of Mr. Spock, is put once again in this very weird world of, mm, for better or for worse, there's a little bit of the, I don't like the character. You know, and I, and I don't, I don't think that there's anything wrong with this character with, with, I don't feel that Tom King was like, uh, you know what? I really hate the vision and I'm going to show you why he's a terrible character. He's, like you said, there's a, there's a very disquieting take that, and I hadn't made the, the, uh, the connection the way that in which the vision's version of the American dream, sort of like the current day incarnation of, of the American dream is, you know, Um, founded on some shaky premises and probably doomed. Uh, I think for me, there's just a very weird, like, it's a little bit of like, well, if you had a Mr. Spock series, you know, it's like, yeah, let's marry him and set him down in the suburbs, you know, and then his wife's a killer or whatever, you know, like there's just such a, there's such a strange, weird departure from what the character is that he's, that is almost not really the appeal of the character. Now, that being said, it seems to me like I don't really understand what the appeal of the character has been for the last 30 or 40 years because <laughs> clearly what? everyone's trying to stay away from the what is this thing you call love, you know,
1: well, I, in version part of part Because the he's technically worked that out. Yes. Do you know what I mean? Like, right. he got married, he right. had kids. Right. You can't really do what is this thing you humans call love well, yeah. because. He knows. Although this issue also suggests that he doesn't.
0: Yes. No. That this issue actually one of the things that I liked, and this is it the the level of the depths to it. The, there's. To, to edit, I think the king is very interesting in that he is for. An American writer. He's one of the first American big two type comic writers that really reminds me of the Brit writers in a lot of ways, you know, that there's just a very basic, I'm not going to take this story at face value, but also kind of a, how can I plug this into something? larger like a larger feeling than just itself though the way in which the vision the vision's attempt to build a life that seems normal and perfect that is actually a cover up for his own failures that he can't face like he can't face them because he's actually removed them from his programming and therefore his ability to actually understand the other members of his family like it works incredibly well as a metaphor mm-hmm. as a as a as an analogy you know that it's cl- going to yeah. end up being closer to something uh, you know, you, you mentioned American Beauty, but of course that's, you know, it's a, it's a different type of, of middle-aged dude's midlife crisis, but I really like the way that, that this ended up being like, I'm like, oh, he, you know, King has crafted a very, very flexible, um, metaphor here as, as his series idea. The, the big problem is very much like, how the fuck do you do – it, like I, it's like you said, it's impossible to believe that this is going to be an ongoing series in a way you know, because – Well, there,
1: there's two things. One, it's mm-hmm. just not – it's not a Marvel book. Yeah. Uh, it strikes me as yet another book that follows Hawkeye in the – Hawkeye was lightning in a bottle, but we've worked out what it is. It's an Avenger when he's off duty. That sells. That's what we think we can sell. Huh, thing. wow. Um, I'd, but I think that this is really um, – I don't want to say unsettling because it makes it sound like I'm scared of the book and I'm not. But Hawkeye was an incredibly comforting book. Do you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. it was Matt Fraction doing all the comfortable shtick mm-hmm. and David Acha doing wonderful art. And it was just fun to read. Like it yes. was a nice hangout book.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And and Vision is purposefully not mm-hmm. – Vision is, you know, this is the world in which you live. It doesn't make sense, and
0: I'm going to use these robots to show you why it doesn't make sense. Well, I don't even necessarily think that it's a it doesn't make sense sort of thing. There, there's a, there's there's a- it's not
1: real, or I don't know. There's there's something there's some, there was something for me very much about the the, the vision's fantasy is very which yeah. is explicitly. Like I am going to be this guy in the suburbs who wants a secure job mm-hmm. and a loving family Right. Um, is only a fantasy, cannot be a reality. And it's a delusion, is, if you will, a
0: vision. <sighs> Ooh, very nice. No,
1: but, but, you know, that's that's like – that's very baked into the first issue for me.
0: Whereas yeah. I, I – to, to, to split hairs a little bit with you, I think the, there's a page where the vision and his wife – are uh, talking, it seemed it's, 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 it's actually a great little two page sequence where she says uh, about the neighbors that they seemed kind. kind. Yeah. Yeah. And he says it is proper to say they seemed nice. And what follows is a, an argument essentially about the difference between saying nice and saying kind and and at one point the wife says, uh, "Is her name Viv or is that one of the kids?"
1: Viv is a kid. Yeah. Uh, it's the wife is. Oh God, Vanessa?
0: Yeah, I I'm don't... making this up. Virginia. Virginia, Virginia is the wife. Okay, thank you. And which is which is just such a, it's such a shame because of course in a way it's, you know that's the other thing is is the vision is of course going to end up being this book is she's clearly going to be.
1: Oh, it's the, the book's about her.
0: Uh, the book is about her. Yeah, exactly. She's sort of the secret protagonist. She's going to be the one who goes through
1: all the everything.
0: So, but and it's
1: also going to be the one who doesn't survive the series. That what does not survive the series? Yes, probably. Well,
0: I don't know. I I'll be curious. I I'm half tempted to think there are either a none of them are going to survive the series uh, apart from the vision. Or no, well,
1: that, that's yeah, that's where I'm going. I yeah. think they're all ultimately going to not make it through.
0: I wouldn't be surprised if we end up with a gender-swapped vision at the end of this. It very much suits Marvel's needs. It's a strong way to reboot the character. Um, I,
1: I, I'd i agree if it wasn't for the fact that we've seen him in the movies, Jeff.
0: Oh, yeah. That's probably true. That's probably true. Uh, so, yes. So, the the part where they're arguing about it and he's talking about uh, the irony of using the phrase they seem nice – uh, and she says, then the phrase is meaningless. And he says, obviously, to assert as truth that which has no meaning is the core mission of humanity. And I'm like, wow. Like, you know, it's, <laughs> it's, it's a pretty heady statement to pop up in a comic. And for me, that was the point where I'm like, okay, I will follow this ride where it goes because, um, you know, because the discussion that they then go on to have, uh, where he talks, you know, she then goes on to say, like, but you insist that it's our mission even though it's meaningless. And he's like, I don't insist, I recommend. Um, the, you know, the way that they continue to sort of parse their semantics is, is one thing, but just the fact that King comes to this is the way that he frames a little bit of the mission statement and of the the vision's mission statement the vision is i think going to end up being that that, that, that king is talking about the idea that everyday life although it has it has a folly that there is a meaninglessness to it that there is a heroism to believing mm-hmm. in that thing that you cannot prove you know
1: or alternately proving that it's not meaningless
0: well, that's true too. Yeah. Whichever of the, whichever of the two that sort of ranks it, up.
1: It, one way or another, he's going to disprove the idea that it is an utterly hollow pursuit.
0: Yeah. Yeah. The, 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 the nihilism will be avoided. So, um. But, but do you not feel, uh, and I, I, uh do you not feel the book would have been better mm-hmm.
1: had it finished with, and I'm trying not to spoil it. So I will say you got the print edition, did you?
0: Uh, I got the I actually went digital shopping this week.
1: For oh, my well, first week. after this advert uh, <laughs> to, to avoid the spoiler. Um, <laughs> the page after it says she got up from the table and moved towards the kitchen. Mm-hmm. If that page had been the final page of the issue, mm-hmm. I would have liked the issue significantly more. and it would have for me have been a better. I will come back for the next issue. yes, seeing that scene unfold the mm-hmm. way it did felt amazingly forced and far less interesting. Uh, It it really felt like the we have to have a fight here. Mm -hmm. Which made the book just seem less involving. And also made me think, well, I'm going to get the collected edition because I feel that I will get a much better experience and be less frustrated Mm -hmm. that way.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: Because King is clearly working On a scale that is bigger than that. Mm
2: -hmm. Do you know what
1: Mm -hmm. I mean? Like this book is not really going to be about and then they get attacked by supervillains.
0: Right. Well,
1: yeah. I suppose. Although it's kind of. I don't want the. Oh, look. It's this guy who knew Simon Williams story.
0: (laughs) Right. Well, I'm fascinated by the way in which. This, I, I wish I had sat down and, and dug up the issues because I think they're on Marvel Unlimited, but it, it is a it is a bit of a fun house mirror version. Of the Engleheart? Yeah. <laughs> Don't you yes, think? Yes, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, very much so. Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Very, very much so. Yeah. Uh, it, by bringing that character in into the end, mm-hmm. it's it's like, hey, do you remember the first issue of the, the Englehart's Vision of Scarlet Witch series? Exactly. Yeah. That That's what I'm doing here. Mm-hmm. I'm just doing it in my way.
0: Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I I, I don't know. I, I I, understand your frustration. I, I don't know how I felt about the end. It just, you know, honestly, more for me, there's an earlier sequence where the narrator is talking about the next-door neighbors that come by to visit, visit the Vision and his family um, yeah. and, and bring them some cookies, and there is – uh, the, the the narrative voice is, re- I really had a lot of admiration for it because it was able to jump to the end and mention what happens to those characters in a way that is, you know, uh, loaded with foreshadowing and was really suspenseful and it was great. And part of me is which like...
1: W- which was very much the reason why I was like, I would try, like, I'm going to stick with this and I will read the collected edition. Because sure. it was the Oh, king knows where he's going. Mm-hmm. Like king is very clearly heading towards something. Yeah. If you then jump to that and do that that specifically,
2: mm-hmm.
1: You know, if you if you have the narrator go and by the end of the story, A you're saying the story has an ending. Yeah. And B you're saying that the story is not about the superhero ness of it.
0: mm mm-hmm. Mhm. You know? Well, it, it it I I've tried to because I it's it's a uh it's a name that tends to make you uh, uh, make your eyes pinwheel, but it 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 was very much a very Alan Moore esque book for me. Yet again, it oh, I, reminded I, I could, me.
1: I, no, I could totally see that there, yeah. the, the, the 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 narrative voice mm-hmm. uh, was very Swamp Thing for me.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can see that, and and in a way, sort of some of the revisiting of some of the taking the superhero and use it as a way to comment on, uh, I don't know, modern marriage, I suppose also reminded me of very much some of the stuff that Moore was kind of doing in the background of Miracle Man, uh, Mm -hmm. up to a certain point before that kind of ended and went off. The, the um,
1: talking about the marriage, the page where the vision wakes up and, uh, The his wife's asleep. Yes, and you, you, you get the monologue there. Mm -hmm. That's my favorite page in the book, Mm. by far.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: Mm -hmm. And if the book was more that, Mm -hmm. and honestly, like I could, I could lose the kids as well. To be honest with you, I agree. I, I I would have liked the book more. I, I think the kids are going to end up having a purpose. Mm-hmm. but if it's the purpose that king is hinting at in this this issue mm-hmm. uh, i'm not kind of into that
0: mm-hmm. uh what do you think that is? Cause i uh
1: well i think the the son falls in love with the human girl story mm-hmm. uh or or hint at least mm-hmm. i am i'm utterly disinterested in. <laughs>
2: mm.
1: um and after what happens at the end of the issue yes what might come from that with a daughter? Right, could be very interesting. Uh, could also has the potential to be horrible. <laughs> has the potential to be very uncomfortable and well-meaning and just unpleasant.
0: Yeah, we'll see. It's it's an interesting. It's it's, it's a fascinating book. Yeah, it's it's interesting <laughs> the idea that it's going to be because, like you said. Hawkeye is, is, is a comfort book. Uh, this really is closer to a horror comic to me. <laughs> it's a discomfort book. It's a discomfort book, exactly. Discomfort food. Uh, so I, I dug it, but it, it was fascinating the extent to which A, I found myself being like, holy shit, this is brilliant to, holy crap, this is, ne-, you know, this thing uh, it ha- could have just been titled Born to Die number one, you know, and, <laughs>
1: Just wait, this will be the breakout hit, now that we both said that.
0: Yes, and, and part of <laughs> me is, is, well, because the, I, because I do think there is a little something, I, A, I don't necessarily know, I mean, you know, the, the Cameron Stewart Batgirl, like, I was like, oh wow, this looks amazing, I give it six issues, you know, or whatever, you know, it's, it's easy to be cynical, I would love to be wrong about it, and there is part of me where it's sort of, you know, The great thing, Graham, is you're probably just as much of a part of the problem as the person who's like, what? This sucks. Where's Ultron? What? You know, so, you know, it's – it it on the other hand, part of – did you see that picture from uh, Tom Brevoort on uh, on Twitter, I think, where he took a photo – there's a photo of like a rack of Marvel comics. Oh,
1: yes. Yeah, and he was like, we've got so much diversity. It's like the 70s.
0: Yeah. Right, which I was originally, I was like, holy, what the fuck? Because, of course, you look at the picture and, you know, at least half the rack is, you know... One title with three different covers. It's three covers to Amazing Spider-Man. It's three covers of The Avengers. It's like six covers of Iron Man. So it's like, I'm like, yeah, I think you got a long way to go there, buddy. But yeah, but, he's, but he's not entirely wrong. No. You have
1: things like Division, which is a horror book. You have Weird World. You have, yeah. um, you know, uh, Hellcat. Mm-hmm. You know, Ms. Marvel. You have, you. There are very, very different flavors available.
0: Yes, I agree. Um, Believe me, Vision is very much, I would like, okay. I mean, it's not, it doesn't do things in that 70s way, but it is the closest argument that I can see to like, oh yeah, okay. They're doing some weird stuff that is very unique individual visions.
1: Yeah. It's the first of the all new, all different books that I've seen that actually feels all new and all different.
0: Yeah, it really does. That,
1: that That they're trying something different.
0: Yeah. Yeah, so...
1: But but it really, you know, I, I who knows? I might get issue two after all. But mm-hmm. my first thought in finishing issue one was this would be a great collection. Right, right.
0: And it, it, and it very may well be. And I think that I honestly, I think there is something to be said for that in the marketplace now, you know? Oh, yeah. No, totally. You know, there, there's part of me, the fact that DC committed to Omega Men you know, as a 12 issue thing and that King again had a 12, you know, 12 issue plans for it. I'm like, that is probably going to be an, an amazing trade, you know? Um, and in that sense, there's a little bit of the, and we'll be lucky that it made it to the marketplace. Although what I would like is for it to be a little less luck and a little more people are like, Oh, you know, DC's like, okay, you know, we're, we're doing, we're doing books and we're looking at them in, 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 as just chunks of 12 issues and, and the direct market will be like, well, then I'm even less interested in buying it because why should I hand sell something, spend time hand selling something that's going to be gone in a year when I can spend my energy hand selling, you know, saga that's going to continue to make money hand over fist for me, you know?
1: Oh, cynicism. Hey, Jeff, I want to ask you about another Marvel book. Sure. Um, You're probably A, behind at least, if not have given up reading. But uh, Ms. Marvel finished, or I think Ms. Marvel actually finished a few weeks ago, but I picked up the issue, the final issue of Ms. Marvel Mm -hmm. um, in my hall yesterday. Mm. And I'm in this really weird place with the Jeff. (laughs) Um, I really liked the last issue Mm -hmm. a bunch. Much more than I've enjoyed the previous few issues. In fact, uh, it, as a whole, the last days of Miss Marvel storyline has been a dud, a dud for me.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Completely, I, I, I have been very uh, bored by it, I guess. Mm-hmm. And almost all of the excitement and and joy of the book when it started was gone for me. Mm-hmm. The last issue does a great job of bringing a lot of that back. There's some mm-hmm. really nice character work in it, but. I also kind of feel done with it now. Like, I feel very little impetus to pick up Volume 2. hmm
2: mm-hmm.
1: And it kind of got me thinking about jumping off points for books.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: When books give you the perfect stopping point. Right. Uh, and this is something that especially Marvel is having to deal with now.
0: hmm
1: Because they did cancel everything for Secret
0: Wars. Yes. You know? Yeah.
1: And, and part of that is, look, we can start again. Great new jumping on point. But in order for that to happen, you have to have a, a conclusion. And that provides a, an end point.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Like, have you, have you had the experience where, like, you're reading a book and the book is continuing? And, you know, because Ms. Marvel has the same creative team when
0: it comes back. Wait, does it? But,
1: yeah.
0: Uh, okay, so who did I, it... Con- I think,
1: think Alphona's off for the first arc, but I think he's coming back after that. Mm-hmm. I think it's whoever's on the first arc, art-wise, is one of the guest artists from the previous series. Okay.
0: And I'm sorry, so who's writing it? Because his final... It's,
1: it's G. Willow Wilson. This oh, is, okay. okay. Right on okay. Um, And... But have you ever had the experience, where you are like, you finish a story and you are like, I am actually just done with this book now. Yeah, I am not in a. This book sucks, but just no, I am done.
0: No, no, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. In fact, I think it's it's one of those, uh, you know, because c- I am an old fart. the The two classic examples are like Alan Moore leaves Swamp Thing, and he actually has a, a closure issue. Where I am like, okay, if I was smart, I would just stop buying the book after this, you know, but. I say that I was actually kind of glad I kept following it because Rick Feach went on to do some really interesting stuff in the in the year that followed. Uh, I know other people feel differently, and then you know, Animal Man. Once Grant Morrison's last issue was there, I mean, I managed to stick around for Peter Milligan's little um, six part. Yeah, if that, it was a very very clever, um, you know, the it was the, a great dodge. It was. It's, it, was, it was. It was a really
1: great, like, and then we throw him into an alternate universe. Yeah, exactly.
0: Exactly. So, and, but you don't know what's real because, you know, I'm the new writer and therefore this could be. It, one it of is one. very
1: fun. You do yeah. have the first issue and you're like, is Milligan just like not got the characters? Mm-hmm. And it, is it even in the first issue where you realize that that's not the case where like he is in an alternate universe or does he save that until later issue?
0: I don't remember if he makes it. It. If that's the bomb that he drops at the end, I think the first issue still has a certain degree of what's happening.
1: Yeah, I think, I think the first issue ends with him eating a horse. And as you say, where they say it's an alternate universe.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think. So there's a, there's a lot of, he, he definitely has <laughs> a, <laughs> oh, No animal man. That probably sounded so weird. The first issue ends with him eating a horse! <laughs> Believe me, people, if you're reading it, it's amazing and terrifying. But yeah, yeah, it sounds ridiculous, uh, which it also was. I mean, you know, Milligan was super aware of of just knowing exactly what everyone's worst fears and expectations were and then just toying with them. On the other hand, then he left the book and then I was like, okay, and now I'm done, you know, because it really did feel like a...
1: – Whereas ironically, I stayed on and that was a mistake.
0: <laughs> right. <laughs> Was it? I don't I don't I Tom mean it, Beach and Steve Dillon's run is terrible. It goes on forever too, doesn't it? It no but it really doesn't. That's the thing. It just
1: felt like it went on forever. It goes on for about a year and then Jimmy uh, Delano comes on.
0: Oh, you know what it is? Yeah, I'm confusing Delano with,
1: with And the Bruce. Jimmy Delano run goes on for ever.
0: And that's the one that goes on forever, yeah. Yeah. Um yeah. But Tom
1: Beach and, and Steve Dillon one is the one that brings in the the Punisher parody. I want to say it's called the Penalizer. I could be making that up. Um, yeah, it's terrible. It, it's Tom Vage being like, you know what Animal Man needs? I need to bring in Native American uh, symbolism. Oh, man. So he'll oh. fight the shaman. Oh. And
0: it's just, yeah. No. no, no, no. Well, I mean, but there is also something to be said for sometimes you hit a grace note with the characters and then it's done. You know? Yeah.
1: Is- and, and last days of Ms. Marvel, the storyline is is. Really does not work for me up until the last issue where Willow really does
0: manage to give everyone closure, wow, right if
1: I on like I don't know why I'd want to continue
0: right 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 yeah there there is something that's a little tricky about the continuing character game where it's like if you come too close to to giving us that you know sort of satiating the desire instead of just you know figuring out ways to to keep fanning the flames with every issue, then yeah, you're going to be able to, to walk away. Um, and Mar- I think honestly, I just feel that part of me is like, I don't know. You know, it's funny. I, I realized that I should be using because I had been so, um, distant from Marvel's, uh, publications, uh, for, you know, even after the, my little boycott ended, it was still like, uh, eh, I'm buying two or three issues here and I'm, and I'm sticking to Marvel Unlimited. Part of me is kind of like, you know, frankly, I should, you know, Al Ewing's on a couple of titles. I, I should be picking up these books. You know, I, I think he's great. I, I'm sure those books are entertaining. And part of me is like, and why not? You know? So, um, So part of me has that moment of like, well, I should really jump onto some of this stuff. But I think that shows just, again, I've been out of touch with the rest of the marketplace. I think the rest of the marketplace is sort of, you know, sort of in the same way that there's a lot of people who came in for DC's new 52 relaunch. And within, I don't know, like a year or so. A lot of those people, I honestly feel moved on to, like, say, image books. I think there could be a lot of people who come back to, you know, who with the jumping off opportunities may buy half heartedly a first issue or two. And then maybe depending might be like, huh, maybe I should really check out this sex criminals thing or the wicked and divine or, you know, or whichever of my favorite writers and or creators have moved on to other, other, uh, other situations, Mm -hmm. you know?
1: Yeah, very much so. It's just, it's very strange. You, uh, just you talking about Al Ewing there made me think if you wait, I want to say two more months, Mm -hmm. all of his Loki is going to be on Marvel Unlimited. Oh, wow. Um, and it's only 17 issues. Mm -hmm. I want to say it's not a long run. Mm Mm-hmm. But it's great,
0: yeah, the first couple of issues I enjoyed a
1: lot it's... it it builds to something so much better though Jeff oh really yeah it 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 because it, its it was at least for me, the first story arc was super fun, mm-hmm. but was super fun, Do you know what I mean like mm-hmm. it was it was fairly light mm-hmm. um and the series as a whole builds to something that is so much more than that,
0: yeah. Yeah, do you feel that it's because I enjoyed the first? I mean, because they were being published, it seemed like bi weekly. I think I really enjoyed the first 12 issues of Gillen's Journey into Mystery. Uh, and I really felt that Ewing was building something that seemed like a follow up to the story. Oh, that it is. Story. It's
1: very, very, very much okay. a follow up.
0: So is it the sort of thing that I should or people should ha- actually read that first on Unlimited before they jump into Loki? Or do you think it's not It's not required?
1: I don't think you have to. I mm. it'll end up meaning more if you do. Mm. Uh, because I I really like hearing Galen's writing. Mm-hmm. And I had to take a couple of swings at Journey into Mystery, to be honest with you. Oh, interesting. Uh, I found Journey into Mystery weirdly off-putting. Hmm. The first time I tried it. So it's possible that's not for everyone. In part because it's Journey into Mystery uh, really connects with Thor, mm-hmm. which, on the one hand, is great when it's being initially published. Right. Because, hey, yeah. continuity. But then when you're reading After the Fact, there's like, oh shit. You mean I've got to read these issues of Thor? I, especially on Unlimited. I've got to work out what issues of Thor this crosses over into?
0: Yeah, yeah, that could be tough. I, I mean, yeah, and, and that and may have been compare, the part where. The Loki where I go
1: series about. has the same problem mm-hmm. because Loki actually goes on hiatus after issue six, and then there's a four part original Sin miniseries mm-hmm. that replaces Thor and Loki. Good grief. And then and thanks to Unlimited being the both wonderful and amazingly poorly organized thing that it is, if you think you're gonna find all of those in the same place, you won't. Yeah. yeah. say, issue three is actually missing from it. Oh really? Oh, <laughs> God. Else. Yeah. But it's <laughs> on there, you just have to look for it. But wow. it's it's really it's one of those things where you're like, How am I gonna read this all in order? Oh I know. I'll search for Al Ewing as a creator and read everything chronologically.
0: Yeah. Yeah, right. Right. Is a good choice.
1: But it's, it's, uh, it's, I, I, if Journey to Mystery will give you more, Journey to Mystery and Young Avengers, I should -hmm. say,
2: Mm. Um,
1: Mm because Young Avengers is essentially the, the, the end point of Journey to Mystery. Ah, of course. Of course. Um, and both of those feature things that play heavily into the last half of Ewing's Loki. Mm. But he also gives you enough background that you know what they are. Yeah, he's... Like, he, I hate Kieran Gillen. I'm never going to read anything good. You'll still know what's going on.
0: Right. You'll still have a connection to it. Yeah. It's just, okay, well, that's, uh, that's good to know. But
1: yeah, Loki ended up being really, really great. Like, mm-hmm. really, really, like, touching and beautiful.
2: in the, Yeah.
1: Um hmm. Because I I liked Ewing's Mighty Avengers as well, mm-hmm. and Mighty Avengers, in many ways, was a victim of what it was. Because mm-hmm. Ewing really went out its way to be like, no, this is a Marvel superhero book, right? You know, there's a crossover. I'm going to be there. Yeah. Uh, but because of that, it's really like it never really gets its rhythm down, and it gets relaunches a different series midway through.
0: Right. Right. Uh, no, it's true. I read, like, the first, I don't know, I think I even made it through the first nine or ten issues, like, forever ago, you know, on through via I mean, Unlimited. It was, and then...
1: now it's Original Sin, because it starts off going, it's infin- Infinity, yeah, that's what it's called, Infinity. Yeah. You know, then you get maybe six issues, and then it's like, now it's Original Sin. Mm-hmm. Now the series is done. Mm-hmm. Now it's an Axis crossover. Right. And right. you're like,
2: what?
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: What is actually happening here? Yeah, um, and so Mighty Avengers, uh, Captain America, and the Mighty Avengers is, is when it stops for uh, Secret Wars, and Ewing leaves the book. Is a is another has a, another lovely last issue, mm. but the the book as a whole is lesser because there was never really enough time to get established.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Whereas Loki really builds something. Mm. Well, that's great. Um, so, so what I'm saying is, if you ever have time to go back into Marvel Unlimited.
0: Yeah, no, it's, you know. It, stuff, because it's really, really great. It, it's interesting. I mean, this the last couple of weeks, you know, or even though, I don't know, it's so funny. Why does it feel like it's been such an absurdly long time? Marvel Unlimited is such an amazing resource. I've kind of dipped my toes into it, though. You know, like these days, I, because I'm... I think because I went so crazy during my birthday month and purchased so much stuff on <laughs> comicsology, which was great I had
1: a bunch of sales this is the thing
0: oh they were they were brutal. I mean, I really spent like uh I think I spent like a drunken sailor well before the the Marvel buy one get one and then that killed me and then on top of it then that supergirl sale i just kept buying more and more issues for people who don't follow uh us our written posts over at waitwhatpodcast.com um my post talks about just three of the supergirl issues that were on sale for 99 cents um a pop that were like a hundred-page giant, and then two fifty-two-page issues or forty-page issues that had re- just stuffed to the gills with old DC reprints, and I I adored them. That
1: made me really sad that your niece was like not reading digital comics. Do you yeah. know what I mean?
0: Yeah. Like, imagine
1: if that was print stuff, and you can give her, give her that. Like, if that material was a readily available and b that cheap, Yes. You can give her that.
0: Yeah. No, I know. Exactly. And it was hard. Part of me really was trying not to go just hog wild with this idea of like, oh, in just like another year or two, she'll be able to do enough reading on her own that I can sort of you know, just kind of, I don't know, lend her my iPad or whatever. <laughs> and then find out <laughs> no, that she spent like, Don't yeah. do that. And no, I know. I know. I, I haven't worked out the bugs. Believe me. I'm I'm a little worried about it. But yeah, no, that stuff was amazing. And I, but, you know, but then, you know, Matt Turrell wrote that review of uh, Cosmic Adventures in the eighth grade, which really seemed up my niece's alley. And so I bought the trade of that. And then because, and this will show you how just, ridiculous i am part of me was like oh man you know the thing that sucks is i don't spend enough time like i'm i'm basically wandering around in this delightful little nostalgic world of the past but, you know, I found myself feeling like I'm not doing a really good, like, sort of like, part of me is like, you know, for 99 cents, I should be experimenting, not just nailing oh, down.
1: But did you buy the most recent Supergirl series?
0: I I bought Volume 9, Bizarro Girl by Sterling Gates, uh, because I remember hearing good things about Sterling Gates' run on Supergirl, and it was it was the one that... It's like towards the end of his run, but, you know, the rest of it was tied into the the new Krypton stuff for such a huge long time yeah. um, that I was like, now I'll just start with this and see how it goes. Which part of me is like, okay, so, you know, I mean, that was on sale as a very inexpensive trade, but following as it did something like 38 other books, it was kind of a ridiculous purchase.
1: You know? So I, part of me really wants to sort of know how much you spent. But part of me is also like, I don't. I want oh, you like... really
0: don't, Graham. You do not. You. If I, I, I feel t- like if... I
1: would I would get you into trouble. I honestly feel that I'd be like, Jeff, do, can you think of what else you could have spent that money on?
0: I, I, I honestly, Graham, I want to tell you and I want to tell the listeners in the interest of full disclosure, but I'm actually afraid that people will spontaneously vomit. So I'm not – I'm I'm not going to do it. Uh, what me... Jeff is telling you right now that it was an obscene amount of money. Well, it depends. What do you consider an obscene amount of money, Graham? Let's start with that. What's uh, your idea? It, uh, of what... Obscene? Oh, yeah. What, um, what's I... the part? Pick the lowest obscene number that you can pick.
1: On the Supergirl sale or on everything?
0: No, like... just imagine. Okay. Here's Jeff. He spent – because I've got the totals. Here's Jeff. Here's what he spent in the month of October – on uh digital comic books
1: oh i don't know i really don't because i i have my own limits and i i know that your limits are significantly above that
0: <laughs> they certainly are
1: what no but like i i know i i mean that uh yeah he, okay here's obscene yes when you're talking about stuff like the supergirl stuff that you know you're buying starting stuff and let's face it jeff you're probably never going to read that it's 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 possible it's quite possible. If you're if you're talking about stuff that you're never going to buy and you're never going to read. Right. Or in your words, it's possible you're never going to read. Like, I would say even $50 is obscene. If you're spending $50 on stuff that you're never going to get to, I think okay. that's ridiculous.
0: See, but okay, Grant. But, there... but you didn't. You spent so much more than that. I, <laughs> I certainly did. But this is it. I spent so much more and I worried myself about it that I've been reading like a motherfucker. And that's one of the things. <laughs> well, that's... then there you go. Right. That's insane. Right. See, that's my thing. But um, but let's just say, yeah, there were there I, were a I, few. I, yeah.
1: I was store yesterday, and I spent and uh, ended up being like thirty seven dollars. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like, that's a lot of money. Yeah, and I know that you would never have that response.
0: I I well no actually all for the of most that, part
1: all the stuff that not only is all of that stuff that I want, mm-hmm. and and would read it, in fact and have read since right. then. But it was predominantly stuff that I had ordered in advance.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And I
1: still felt like, like that was a lot of money.
2: Well, you and know, you
1: just don't have that response.
0: Yeah, I, I do not. Although it was fascinating for me because the uh, uh, long-term listeners of the podcast, by which I mean people who remember our last episode, um, will probably <laughs> remember me talking about how I, I'm really kind of like hand-wringy about you know, continuing to buy, like part of me's like, I should just make the jump over to digital. And, you know, you're kind of like, well, why not? So today is, I, I, I basically was like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to test this out. I've been keeping a log of the money that I've been spending at the comic store. And of course the comic store, one of the things that's great is because I used you to work the there, discount. I get yeah. the discount. So part of me's like, okay, but, The discount also has me buying stuff that I kind of feel like I will never read, you know? So I have a lot of those books where I'm like, uh, I, I meant to get to this, but then I didn't, but then I kept buying it, you know? So, so let me give this a try. So I, today I went to comiXology with the new releases and I'm like, okay, let me hit the stuff that I know I want that I would be picking up. At the comic book store. So it's very much that idea of like, let's see what it's like for Jeff to actually go to, quote unquote, the digital comic store and for new releases. And I ended up spending um about 27 bucks uh on stuff. And part of me is like, that's not so bad. Part of me is also kind of, but I did have a little bit of that moment of like, but it's really like it goes really fast. Like when you don't get that discount so that I would be technically getting like, you know, a, a bunch, like a third more
2: books. Yeah.
0: Yeah. You know, for, for that money, it's kind of like, Oh, I'd have a lot more. So part of me is like, in a way I'm like, ah, that's it. You know, on the other hand, I have already read everything that I bought. Um, It didn't take up any space whatsoever. (laughs) You know, I don't have to shelve it or jam it into a long box or a short box or anything like that.
1: Well, can I add something else to your your consideration then? Sure. Why don't you just buy everything a month late or two months late when it's a dollar off?
0: Well, not everything does end up being marked off for a dollar off. Sure,
1: but a bunch does.
0: Yeah, that's true.
1: That that is that is. And by not true. everything, you pretty much mean mostly Marvel's books.
0: Yeah, as far as I can tell, mostly Marvel's books don't. And Marvel was the one where it's like, uh, be, because I get the discount, I'm like, I'm not. And I get I'm a free not really digital.
1: Really paying five ninety nine for this issue,
0: right? Exactly. Like with Vision, Marvel's it's
1: like, the one where you're buying digitally
0: and you feel that price. Yeah, but for sure, for sure. Especially considering the number of books that I had, where it was. Well, I'm trying to think, well, you know, something like, uh, three of the books that I bought were like two 99 or less, and I quite enjoyed them tremendously. So I don't know, you know, it, it was, it was an interesting experiment for me to try, uh, to try that. And again, like I said, a part of me is like, oh, and I've, I've read all these books. I can actually talk about them. And when it comes time for me to pick up, say, um, well I don't know if I'll be picking up Survivor's Club number three but, um, but let's just say when I pick up Unfollow number two for example um, it's going to be very easy for me to jump back and, and, yeah, you and know.
1: pick it up. Hey so what do you think of Unfollow then? I thought Use yeah. that as a, a segue.
0: I thought Unfollow was pretty great. I really yeah, I thought it. that it I really, did a really like it. good job. Um, I know that People, I think, are have got to be familiar with it from us talking about it. But do you, you know, do you want to try and like mention the the plot one more time?
1: Sure. Unfollow is a new series by Rob Williams, who is a 2018 writer that both Jeff and I like. Mm-hmm. Um, and Mike Dowling the, is the artist. Yeah. And the plot is this: Hey, what if Twitter had battle royale? The mm-hmm. end. As <laughs> yes. true. What if Twitter and Willy Wonka? Had Battle Royale. That's right. The That's right. dying founder of an unnamed social network
0: that is clearly Twitter. Yeah, they, um, they did decides... name it at some point, though, actually.
1: Do they? Kerper yeah, like, or,
0: like, or Clicker or something like that? Yeah, they,
1: they name it somewhere. But it's clearly Twitter. Yes. It's one of those things where, yeah. like, it, we all know it's Twitter. Like, you specifically make a point out of the 140-character limits.
0: Yes, exactly.
1: Um but anyway, is dying and decides that he is going to leave his fortune to 140 randomly chosen people on the service. That's right. Um, thereby launching not only uh, much discussion from those people about, oh shit, I guess I'm rich now, mm-hmm. uh, but also some people are also like, oh, I guess I'll kill everyone else and get more money. Right. Right. I love it. I really, really like it. It's of the. I think Vertigo's had a
0: relatively strong
1: batch of of launches. I think so. uh, Recently, but Mm -hmm. I think this is by far the strongest.
0: Yeah, it is great. I have to say we we have a tendency, and uh, me especially, to just blab and blab and blab about writers. I think Rob Williams did a – this is such a perfectly paced issue, perhaps unsurprisingly considering he's a 2000 AD guy. But – it was a dramatic compare and contrast with the second issue of Survivor's Club, where I like the premise of Survivor's Club in issue uh, one. And I was like, okay, it's a little rangy. It's also got a lot of survivors sort of uh, – people brought together at random. Um, in, in that case, it's a little more of Stephen King's it, you know, that that each of them have had a terrible thing that happened to them in the past. And, yeah. you know, someone gathers them together with the idea of – uh, stopping it from happening again because it's a potentially cyclical thing. First issue I thought was kind of loosey-goosey, some some misses and se- seemed a little sped out, but I held out hopes that it was kind of like the opening issue jitters. The second issue I actually thought was uh, kind of worse, so it's hard for me to imagine that I'm going to be coming back for for it in a way. <laughs> I, although. Like part- I said, yeah. What's that?
1: I was going to say, like I said to you in email, I haven't read the second issue. I got it. Like, it's. It, I got it in the mail. Right. And the fact that almost everything else seemed more important to read yes. maybe says a lot about how excited I was about the second issue.
0: Right. Well, I, I do remember because the first issue was part of the first issue roundtable, people can actually go to the website and see us actually talk ab- about it. Um, and I definitely you and Matt were kind of like, eh, really? Her? But I was kind of like, yeah, it's kind of got that, you know, it's, you know, I'm a big fan of Stephen King's it. Oh, I think you're right. I think Matt might have been more positive. I think
1: Matt was a, yeah.
0: Yeah, that's right.
1: Um, because I, I love Lauren Bukes's, oh god, I can't remember the name for a book now. I read one of her books last year and I adored it like I sped through it in a day. Mm-hmm. And so I had such goodwill for the series going in. I was very much like this will be good. It'll pull out Yeah. But clearly not. It's tough. Uh, but
0: Unfollow Yeah. But Unfollow, unfollow by is contrast is much better. Ooh, is so strong. And of course we're talking about, you know. Uh, Tom King, you know, their, their little pages in the back had him talking about the sheriff of ba- of Baghdad. I think it's called
1: ba- Sheriff of Babylon. is what it's called. Now.
0: Sheriff of Babylon. Yeah. And I was like, I'm down for that too. So that kind of has me. And in fact, the little side thing where they're talking about Jacked or whatever, I'm like, I know I'm going to regret this, but I'm going to at least try out the first issue of that as well. You know? Uh, so I think, I think, yeah, I think Vertigo is standing on a really strong hand. Of, uh of potential books of which unfollow absolutely by far is the strongest gorgeous art uh the really art is
1: amazing isn't it
0: standingly good in terms of everyone's likenesses are it, it's that it's that beautifully beautiful sweet spot that you just don't get very often in terms of it's quote unquote uh realistic art like everyone's faces look very. Real and identifiable, and almost photorealistic, without looking um, stiff and uncomfortable. Yes. And it, it's
1: such a wonderful blend of it's Tim Bradstreet meets Jeff Darrow meets mm-hmm. you know Mobius in some of the the shading, some of the line work, yeah. and it's got the most beautiful coloring. I actually looked up who did the colors. It's a guy called Quentin Winter.
0: Yes, it, it's the coloring in that book is
1: amazing. Yeah
0: really gorgeous and it and it adds a lot because i i think mentioning mobius is is a good reference point there are bits and pieces where uh where if you didn't have the right coloring it it i think the as frequently happens in comics uh the the backgrounds would look a little bit flatter than they would otherwise but it is it's a it is a it's a gorgeous book. It's a strong read. And and as you mentioned, the whole like, um, like oh, these pe- everyone's going to like, you know, people are going to start realizing they can make more money if they kill more people off. I don't even think that hook is in the first issue. It's just strong enough from the character work and the way that they put each, the way that they, the characters that they have. I mean, they have, you know... They've got a female reporter in Tehran, Iran, in, in Iran, who's actually thinking about killing herself when she gets the news. You've got a guy who's trying to protect his sister in the, you know, tough side of, I guess it's St. Louis, I think. Um, and you've yeah, got, yeah. you've got, uh, you've got what looks like the fucking Unabomber. Um, you know, speaking to God out in his little mm-hmm. uh, cabin in Alaska, surrounded by all well, of his and, guns. And you
1: also have the, the, the trust fund baby who's trying to get rid of all her money and yes. all of a sudden she's rich again. Yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Which again, just is such a great, um, you know, and it's fascinating that character, which, you know, is, is the sort of character that gets thrown in there a lot is at least right now is perfect, is just perfectly done like I really thought everything that she did which in a way her behavior is right out of Grant Morrison Mark Miller hey look at this character kind of uh writing and yet and yet worked and even felt Yeah a it, little it closer it's it's right
1: it. out of that except it feels legitimate
0: it feels legit exactly which is something that frankly uh more neither Morrison nor Miller can really quite pull off as much as they would like so uh, yeah, no, it's Unfollow is. Really was... first issue. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Super strong. Uh, yeah, I, I was definitely down with that. So, no, I mean, I, for myself, I, 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 ended up with like a great little handful of books this week. Uh, you know, I had missed issue 10 of The Fade Out. Uh, as you know, I'm following the humans. Um, and I sort of want to talk about Platinum End just on the offhand chance that, that people don't know about it. It seems it seems unlikely uh, considering, if nothing else, the lag time. Uh, but I was really surprised that to find out only via tweets on my timeline that someone had forwarded that the creators of Death Note and Bakuman, uh, Sugumi Aoba, yes, are back uh, with a series called Platinum End that Viz is selling is basically selling these serialized issues for digitally for 99 cents. As far as I know, it's 99 cents. I I thought it was going to be um, like a lot of this manga weekly or, um, you know, thrice monthly or something like that. It sounds like it's going to be a, a um, published monthly if I – because I really couldn't find out any – all the info that I found out about it was it was big news being announced in Japan. Viz really kept it under its hat up until today. I went, got the issue and then subscribed via comiXology so that I'll get every issue. It's, I mean, it's, it's a 70 page first issue for 99 cents by the Death Note guys. And it's very much them working in the Death Note vein. So We'll see where it goes. It It really does. It. It's very much a. Oh yeah. Okay. You guys want something that's a little more death notey? Then here we've got a guy who basically is given supernatural powers and is clearly in a a completely amoral universe. Let's see what happens. You know.
1: Um, I I I'd, I'd actually never heard of it, and I've just <laughs> added it to my cart in Comicsology. Yeah, I was like a dollar. Come on, for some yeah. issues, how bad can it be?
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: Death Note. I remember you getting me into Death Note. Pac-Man uh, you know
0: I had problems with. I, yes. I had problems
1: with Death Note, but Death Note is nuts enough that I think I got over the
0: problems easier. Yeah, yeah. And and, and Platinum End definitely is like, we are starting out with the crazy. And then let's, let's see where it goes. Like, in a way, part of me is I kind of liked how Death Note had a weird um, – it's almost like somebody, like, you know, revving their engine. Like, the first few bits of Death Note are very much like – Okay, here's an over-the-top idea, and then we're going to treat it very um, almost coolly, and then we're going to really ramp up the lunacy. So there's a lot of weird pacing tension that was so wonderful. Platinum End, yeah, the first 70 pages, you're just like, by the time you get to the end of it, you're like, oh my god, that's... <laughs> it's, it's really. It's if you want to see what Mark Miller is going to be ripping off two years from now,
1: definitely pick <laughs> up. That. Wow, there's the pool quote right there. Um, I have a couple of, of first issues. I want to ask if you picked up. Oh yeah, um, monstrous.
0: No, which one's the monstrous Marjorie again? L-
1: Marjorie Lou Sanetskade book. Oh the
0: yeah, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah. No.
1: Um, I loved it. Really, I loved it, and I wouldn't have read it if it wasn't for my job. Interesting. Um, I got mailed a preview mm-hmm. last week. Uh, a PR guy got in touch and was like, do you want to talk to Marjorie Lou? And I have, I really like Marjorie Lou. This sounds totally weird, but I was working on a story that got killed. Mm-hmm. Um, but she was super supportive of the story in a way that she did not have to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, and when I, even after I got killed, I was like, I, you know, like I, I really like her. Like, I, I just have really warm feelings about how she went outside of,
2: like, anything she had to do to support of, yeah. this. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and so when this person was like, do you want to talk to Marjorie Lou? Do you want to look at her book? I was like, sure. Like, I, I like Marjorie Lou. Mm-hmm. Uh And I would not have read this book. I saw, remember the announcement. And I was like, ah, it's probably not for me. I fucking loved it, Jeff.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: It mm-hmm. feels... I'm trying to think of a way to make this not sound like a backhanded compliment, but it feels like the combination of things that other image books have been trying to do to make like the the awesome image book <laughs> it feels like saga mixed with uh the eight house stuff hmm. mixed with Bitch planet wow it's it it's so very immersive the world building in the first issue, which is it's four ninety nine but I want to say it's like seventy pages Wow it's a long book mm-hmm. um is very very. Uh, it it's it's a deeply immersive book but what really got me beyond the the a plot which is essentially in an alternate uh, i think it's 1900s asia this slave uh is at first imprisoned and then and as she gets free it emerges that she literally has a, a monster inside her mm-hmm. Um, and that everyone who is keeping her prisoner, everyone who's uh, a head or slave knows this Wow! And, and basically values her for the monster, not for her. Mm-hmm. Uh, but what really got me about this is it, this is an amazingly political and subtly political book hmm. in a way that uh, did you see the wonderful review? That Sarah Horrocks did of Bitch Planet Yes, speak.
0: I was going to mention it Actually at, w- at one point Because it was the, such a remarkably Solid read
1: And there's a point in that review Where Sarah Horrocks essentially says "Like, I wish this book was its marketing Yes, Because this book is utterly pas- passionless And doesn't live up to its marketing mm-hmm. I feel that Monstrous does live up to Bitch Planet's marketing mm-hmm. uh, Monstrous takes place In a matriarchal society mm-hmm. There are maybe three speaking male parts In the book Um all but one are incidental
2: mm-hmm.
1: it's it's all uh female protagonists mm-hmm. and there's something about that and the way that it doesn't because i feel the pitch plan is very much like down with the man and by that i mean men right like the sisters are doing it for themselves you hear me uh, and there's something about one which is like no guess what like, women are as fucked up as men. Mm. This is not a gender thing. Mm-hmm. Like, this is, this is, uh, women can be cruel in different ways to other women.
2: Huh.
1: Uh, and, and there's, there's, I don't know, I just, there, I feel there's so much in Monstrous. Mm-hmm. And I was like, this is amazing. <laughs> I don't even like fantasy, and this book is stunning to me.
0: Well, I, I have to say, I, um, I jumped over to my my digital storefront, you know, looked inside, you know, did the little preview thing. Oh, the,
1: art, the art is amazing. The
0: art is stunning. So, yeah, the you, you sold me on it.
1: The art stunning. It does the, the, um, not only the line work, but the coloring, and it's, it's just lovely. It's, it's, it's a, it's a beautiful looking book,
2: mm-hmm.
1: but Marjorie Lou is bringing really impressive fucking jobs to it. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So it's got me for the next few issues at least. Maybe eventually like my, you know, my, I don't really like fanciness will take over, but definitely based on this first issue, I was like, I am in, mm. I am in for this. What? The other first issue, uh, the James Bond book, the L.S. James Bond book.
0: That's so funny. I did not think that that was going to be what would be the other issue. So
1: Varker, I think Uh, it's called (laughs) V a r g r. (laughs) Varker, who
2: knows,
1: Um, is proved to be a real, really surprising joy. I really liked it. Um, It is, it's Alice being Alice. Let's Mm -hmm. just get that out of the way first of all. But it turns out that Alice is actually really suited for James Bond.
0: I, I, Which I believe the,
2: yeah.
1: the biggest problem is In terms of its pacing mm-hmm. The last page is horrible and was, It feels like it's literally just been put in there In a, oh shit, it's the end of the issue Okay, fine Like Here's the bit where the bad guy's going to be like I'm going to kill James Bond And that's it <laughs> It's very slow burn up until. No, really, the last line of the book is Shit, where's the last line of the book um, Can I make it hurt, please because it's just been handed an iPad with a photograph of James Bond. Again, it's a Warren Ellis book. Um, <laughs> and the person's like, you have to kill this man tomorrow. And it's like, can I make it hurt? Uh, but that that comes out of nowhere because everything up to that is... And what Ellis has, has made the point of saying this is based on the the Bond of the books, not the Bond of the movies. Mm-hmm. But everything up to that point is a very good Bond movie opening. Mm-hmm. He's got the, the pre-credit sequence action sequence Mm -hmm. he's got the bond meets with money penny and then with Mm m and is given his mission scenes and it all works it all works really well Hmm. uh again it might be one that you want to wait in a collection for Mm -hmm. uh in large part because this book could go horribly off the rails (laughs) 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 maybe no one's get involved maybe you know ellis does the the bond traditional stuff grades, but then as soon as it comes into the, you know, the, the, the meat of the thing, he's going to end up, you know, Bond will be like, I've only had Bluetooth.
0: <laughs> Actually, m- my problem is more the idea that it build it builds to, you know, Bond is going to have to kick the shit out of 9,000 people. You know, he's like locked in like, a. uh, the the locker room next to a swimming pool, and the only thing that he can find to defend himself with is, like, two squirts of uh, uh, conditioning lotion and a padlock, and just as he's ready to actually leap into action, some old fart is going to walk through from a side door, pull him aside... And then, you know, give him a sweeping lecture about either A, the nature of technology, B, 20th century economics, or C, some combination of the two that also change, you know, like ties into something that's supposed to be amazingly awesome that's up in space somewhere. And then... (laughs) Six months later, the last issue is going to come out and (laughs) after Bond has killed everyone and they're like, what have you learned from this? I've learned that I'm not the person that I thought I was. And then there's going to be like a bunch of other stuff and some rueful stuff and then he drinks and smokes the end.
1: (laughs) Well, that might still happen as well.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, that's my thing is is like, like, I'm always like, I'm, I'm pretty much part, part of me was really like, I think that both Bond and Ellis are, are well suited for each other, but they're also kind of like, I sort of feel like I kind of have outgrown them a little bit both in a way. And I think that that's, I think for people who are really excited about it, I really have my fingers crossed for them that they're going to get everything that they want out of it in a way that's amazing myself. I'm kind of like, even if it turns out perfectly and ends up being collected, I know that's not your thing. How do I put it? If it ends up being on the library shelf of my library, you know, like 18 months from now when I'm like perusing and grabbing stuff, I would, I would check it out and I might even read it, but but I apart from that, I can't really see myself going the distance for it. You know, it's just it's just one of those weird deals. You know.
2: Okay,
1: I can see that.
0: That being said, so you did not pick up Klaus, Klaus or Klaus Claus oh, number I did. one. I
1: oh, just, okay. I, well, I didn't I go? I read the PDF. Uh, but um, same thing. I keep forgetting I read it.
0: <laughs> okay, because that's my when you were like, oh, okay, another issue. I'm like, well, it's got to be like Grant Morrison and Santa Claus because it's Grant McMillan
1: you think, right? Yeah. I Klaus was fine. I don't have any strong feelings about Klaus one way or the other, to be perfectly honest with you.
0: You know, it. Uh, what I thought was funny to me was, and this is something that I think I'm going to have to get used to with maybe current era Grant Morrison, is it is that the, it's such a it in some ways it almost reminds me of kind of the 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 stuff that he was doing with annihilator in that the stuff it, it in that he's never too far from basically being amused by the material and that that it's almost um uh, well, not so much with Annihilator. That was more like, oh, wait, is he taking this seriously, or is he, or is he, you know, is this a piss-up? And the answer is sort of somewhere in between the two. Like, he reserves yeah, the, the right... Yes and yes. Yeah, exactly. He reserves the right to slalom in any direction that he feels like. And so one of the things that really struck me about Klaus is, is that, on the one hand, all of the Yule Time Christmas stuff, every time that it came up, was... Very silly and self-aware and enjoyable, but at the same time also just so weirdly at odds with the, you know, oh, and now he got shot with an arrow and he's bleeding or, you know what I mean? Like there's just – there was a lot of – this. the scene where he like hits one guard and then basically they knock him over and they just literally – well, not literally, but they kick the shit out of him. You know, they literally kick him. Who knows if shit comes out? But you know, they <laughs>
1: we, we can we can pretend.
0: Well, I was just going to say I didn't want to overstate the case, but you know, there there was a lot of I thought the I thought the art was gorgeous, and the way that um, Morrison. Approached it, but it it was a little odd. It was like I don't think I want to see the Game of Thrones Christmas special, and that's kind of what it felt like I was reading, you know. And (laughs) it is
1: Game of Thrones Santa, yeah. It's just, but I mean, the whole thing is ridiculous. Santa Claus doesn't need an origin. Do you know what I mean? Like that alone gets me just like.
0: Well, it's so funny because I, 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 on the one hand, I agree. On the other part, there there were things that I thought were very clever. I'm like, no, Santa doesn't need an origin. And Morrison's like, but what if I tell you that he ended up smoking some drugs and then aliens came and visited his <laughs> that was, brain? That
1: was hilarious, wasn't it? Yeah,
0: and then I'm like, <laughs> it was
1: like, can I just do like a wonderful Grant Morrison moment here? My name's Grant Morrison. What if he smokes drugs and aliens come from a higher dimension to make toys? Yes.
0: That is hilarious. I have to say that actually tickled the shit out of me. But at the same time, I'm really like, I like, I really had that thing. It it was, it was maybe on the opposite end of vision. Number one, it's kind of this, you know, completely opposite responses, but a similar amount of is who is this for? And is this working? Like I don't know, but you know, but I, but, and yet at the same time, I'd be lying if I said that I, I didn't, I didn't enjoy it. It was super, dis, super duper disposable. And in that sense, I really wish to God, I can understand why they're, why they're charging three ninety nine for it. I really do. But, you know, by contrast, Paper Girls number two, uh, which is another one of the books, I think probably the last of the books that we'll discuss in terms of what I picked up this week. I I I re- Did you read it? I like that yeah, second issue. Yeah, and I issue. liked
1: it so much more than the first issue. Uh,
0: so much more. So much more. Um
1: It was kind of amazing, wasn't it? It it had the heart that the first issue missed for me entirely. Yeah, yeah.
0: It a, a lot more heart, a lot more of like, oh, this is who like a lot more explaining of who the characters are, and yeah. yet it also managed to work in a couple of really creepy moments that felt really creepy. So Also
1: is it not? Is it just me, or is
0: is this Brian Kimon doing Lost, even though he worked on Lost? You know, the thing that's hilarious to me is, I'm like, oh, Graham, it's him doing Under the Dome, even though he worked on Under the Dome. <laughs> you know, like, you know, like I, I don't know. But, it, that's just like, like is it Brian Kimon going?
1: Listen, I worked on these shows, and I couldn't get my ideas across. I'm just going to turn it into a comic. It, it feels like it. It, it. it I don't know. Or I think leftovers. If, if we want to continue the, the. Um... Oh yeah. The TV thing, because there, there is there is the very clear, although also very clearly not true thing yeah. that it is the rapture.
0: Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. That that gets played with. That that really, you know, I mean, I think it it does actually remind me of a lot of the stuff that he wanted to do with Under the Dome. That I even remember feeling like, oh, this that first episode, I was like, yeah, okay. There's a lot of mysteries here, and there's some character stuff. What I think really the way that he he walked away from it, he thought about it, and figured out a way to fine tune it um and and so yeah, I think it this might be him trying to either revisit those ideas or just kind of yeah try- and trying to figure out a way to make them work, you know from the ground up, I suppose. But so, it worked so
1: much better than the first issue. And yeah, the first shit. issue, which
0: just really didn't – it just did not ring my chimes. I was so glad that it came back for the second issue, and I'm like, oh, I really enjoyed this. This, Yes, yeah, me too.
1: I yeah. really did have a – this is this is everything I was missing from the first issue.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, I
1: feel these characters are actually characters now. I, I feel that it's not just, I'm going to do the Goonies, but with girls, you guys.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and, and the 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 it's, it's very cynical, but also completely worked. So I guess his cynicism is rewarded. Mm-hmm. Bringing in the stepmother of the tough girl, yes, and then killing the stepmother off, yeah holy shit, wait to get me on that girl's site.
0: Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It it was a big switch and and fascinating because, of course, I want to say, I realized while just talking about this that I went Survivor's Club number two, I made it sound like I then instantly jumped to unfollow. But in fact, what happened was I went to Survivor's Club number two and then went to Paper Girls number two, which really did make uh, Survivor's Club look much worse. You know, because I think... Because they were both first issues and and in a way, like, you know, Paper Girls really survived. Both of them were like, well, they've got the benefit of my goodwill. And the issue two came around and then I was like, oh, holy shit, I'm really on board. And the other one's like... I really don't know if I'm going to buy that third issue. It's like, James, you got any more of that goodwill left? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Well, see, and then something like unfollow came along and just kind of gobbled it right up. I'm like, Oh, okay. Yeah, no, sorry. I've got a, I've, I've got a new book that I'm actually going to enjoy buying and, and considering I'm trying to be sensible about a budget that, that probably means that one of you has to, you know, is not leaving Thunderdome alive. So, which is something I've always so wanted to say generally. Your so,
1: comics. You're so mean with your comics. <laughs> I am um, the opposite talk, of mean. Talking but, about things that we talked about on that uh, roundtable. Have you mm-hmm. been keeping
0: up with Batman and Robin Eternal? No. I have. I had the first. Actually, I read the second issue. Enjoyed it just as much as the first, which I found shocking. Uh, and then I have, I have two issues, two print copy issues that I've got that I've been meaning to read. And I've got him. I, uh, that's D- one that the people are books for. yeah. DC are doing
1: their traditional
0: we're going to keep sending you this
1: until you, you decide one way or another. So they've sent me the first five issues of this. right? Um, I'm surprisingly on board.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And a lot of that I think comes down to the fact that unlike maybe every other weekly series DC's done before,
2: mm-hmm.
1: this is one plot. Yeah. Like yeah. one of the things that threw me off Batman Eternal very quickly was mm-hmm. by the fifth issue, they've been like, What's going on with Jim Garden? Oh no. Also, there's the Spectre right. You know, and I was like, What the fuck? Yeah. How are these two things connected at all, apart from the fact that they're in the same comic? Like this does not belong together. Yes. But Batman and Robin has one plot mm-hmm. going on right now. Yeah. It helps by, by having sure. one
0: plot with multiple characters and different timelines. Yeah, yeah. Um,
1: and also I love that by issue five, spoilers to everyone, Batman's not in it. Right. They haven't and brought in the, the current Batman.
0: It's I'm fascinated by that because I really did. At the second issue, I was like, "Are they only going to really be doing like they call it Batman and Robin Eternal?" But the only glimpses we're going Is to Robin? see of Batman are in flashback. It's like I, I think, think they are, Jeff. Wow. Well, i I think that I think that's pretty great. Although I also think I'm fascinated by the idea because I had, you know, like I said, I've got I've got the first four issues. I've read the first two, and Doug at Comics Experience was like, "Should I?" So you're, should do you want me to start pulling Is the like, issues? Are you buying this? Yes, and I was like, uh, "Can you give me another month on it?" And he's like, "Jeff, it's only six months." I'm like. Oh, it is. Oh, it's not a full year. And I'm like, oh,
1: okay. I, no, I think it's, I think it's a year.
0: I think he told me it was only a six month, uh, six month title. Um, but you know, I'm looking that up right now. But yeah, I'm look that up. Sure. You're you're better at this than I am. So,
1: mm-hmm. let's see. Mm-hmm.
0: Batman, Robin, Eternal.
1: No, there you go. It's a twenty-six issue weekly series.
0: Yeah. So, which means that it could come very close to ending around the time that Batman 50 hits, right? So Yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah. And which is possibly the, the point.
0: I kind of the, half think
1: the, that it might be at that point, yeah. Because uh, 50 is the everything changes, which is super funny because, you know, 40 was the everything changes and yeah. they're doing the same for Green Lantern. Yeah. Green, uh, Green Lantern 40 was the everything changes, now there's no Green Lantern Corps now Hal Jordan's a renegade and he's not using a ring and then I was reading a, uh, an interview today with Robert Pintin and he's like, issue 50, everything changes Yeah, it's like, you guys, if you're not going a year between everything changes it begins to get stupid
0: Yeah, 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 yeah Well, I don't I, oh, know, you know it's, I'm, I'm fascinated because the Batman stuff feels Organic in a strange way I, I I don't know how it feels, honestly, Graham. I mean, it, because I was going to say, like, yeah, it feels organic in a storyline that they almost like it. Really does feel like every issue is right on the verge of. Well, we're going to roll it over. You know, we're going to roll it back. Like the. <laughs> You know, like they really had that. We're going to roll it back. Here's Bruce Wayne. Oh, wait, no, he doesn't. He doesn't remember anything. OK, well, we're going to roll it back. Oh, no, no, no. Wait, this was just a flashback issue, you know, because we watched The Wire. OK, we're going to roll it back. No, no, no. Jim Gordon's going to get fired. And, you know, like it it really is. A part of me is like it's a really fun Hall of Mirrors to me in a lot of ways because it because it, I feel like they're just doing a very weirdly witty riff i mean the fact that it feels more like robocop than batman at this point which you know it i know is intentional but it's kind of a uh, is it's an, it's enjoyably brain-breaking i feel like they could what, what is super fun is seeing detective comics in particular play for
1: time mm. oh god right yes yeah. <laughs> you know because they're stuck being the other batman book mm-hmm. where you know they're not driving the story at all they're stuck with this other Batman. Yeah. and They can't really do anything with them. Mm
0: -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Which is, which is, it's kind of brutal. I mean, I, I have to say probably part of the reason why I have every issue of, of Batman is, is that, you know, of the new 52 Batman is, is that I enjoy the product, but it's also, it's completely, I don't have to read anything else to enjoy it. You know, I don't have to, he, he, he was doing zero year at the same time that they were rolling out forever evil. So it was perfect for me. I mean, like fucking, they, he staggered it so that they zero year ended up being like what a year and a half or something. So it, it made it very easy for me to just read the one Batman book, but you know except for Batman Eternal which was the other you know but it is there is a little bit of the strange kind of like and and from everything that I can see Scott Snyder just appears to be the nicest guy on the planet but there but there is a little bit of the like if you're not in with the Scott Snyder crowd and you're not doing it on the Scott Snyder plan he does not care what you are doing to, like, I do not think that he's staying up nights but worried about what Detective Comics is going to do.
1: But know? it's super funny because when Morrison was in charge, he did the same thing.
2: Mm, ah. You don't think? He's like,
1: I fucking killing off Bruce Wayne, you guys. Okay, now to uh, Grayson's Robin. Okay, now they're uh, Batman. Now they're both Batman. Uh, and Bruce Wayne's traveling around the world.
0: Well, I, I mean, I, uh, th- this is—he
1: left a lot more space for others to play in.
0: See, I felt like he did. I felt like he left a lot more, and in fact, it really is. It's a—you know—Scott Snyder literally came up in that by by doing the Dick Grayson Batman. That's you know where he walked in and and kind of ended up making his name. So, but even then, I remember like he had. I think Morrison plotted that whole like. Hey, let's punch Ross al Ghoul in the face. You know, crossover that, that was spread across like 8 books or something like that. I feel like he did the he did the general plotting. So sure, I feel but like
1: Snyder's plotting Batman Eternal and Batman and Robin Eternal.
0: Well, but that's what I'm saying. Those are Scott Snyder books and those are and those are and those are his dudes. You know what I mean? Like Detective sure, Comics isn't If if like James Snyder. Tyrion IV was doing Detective Comics, I think there would be space for it, you know? Sure, but I guess Detective
1: Comics at this point is... I think it's being treated as the the add-on book. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like, it had Francis Manipal, who then dropped off, and then Brian Buccioletto also dropped off.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And so
1: now it's like, get Pete Tomasi in, sure. he <laughs> can do a few issues. <laughs> good good you know? old Pete like,
0: Tomasi. He's used that, to vamping like it, on that, a Batman that's
1: what book. it feels like. Yeah. You know, and when you... Like, the two issues he's done so far feel very much like... What he was doing in Batman and Robin before. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, the, it's Batman, he's being a superhero, he's hanging out with the Justice League, and feels, I don't want to say rote, but definitely doesn't feel inspired.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. You know, he's got the gimmick of, it's James Garden, but, you know, in a James Garden and the Justice League, and an entirely generic adventure.
0: Right. Which is which is one of the things that's kind of a shame. Because on the other hand, I, you know, after hearing you talk about it, one of the things that I was like, ah, what the hell? I'll treat myself. Is I bought like Justice League's issues forty-one through forty-five digitally, and I was like, which was interesting to me because the pricing was all over the map on that. Let me tell you, I do not know. Really? Yeah, well, because I was like, oh. Why? What's that? Well, I, I, it's not been like two ninety nine because they're a dollar off. You would think, but maybe they were super expensive. Like but Justice League. Oh, that's true. One of one of them was like four ninety nine. Yeah. So Justice League forty one was three ninety nine. Justice yeah, League forty two was, was.
1: Originally, yeah.
0: Two... So yeah, so that I guess that was it. So they did the dollar off, but I really was I was like, w- what? Like very confused. Um, yeah, because forty know... one super long though. For, well, yes, it is. It absolutely the only is. one is is double size, maybe. Who can? That's the other thing. When you're reading digitally, it's just like there's a lot of comic here, and especially because I'm, I'm reading, t- like, I'm trying
1: to think of a way to say this nicely. When you're reading Jeff Jones' comic, sometimes also you're like, "Is this been going on for years?" Well, or, yeah. so what oh, did yeah. you think
0: of of uh, the Dark Side War? Well, I got to tell you, man, on on the one hand, especially by the time where it's like, oh, everyone gets their own power-ups, and, and it plays out exactly like you said, and you've got the Francis Menopole art with Brian Bocoletto doing the, the cover. Which is amazing, right? Yeah. It's gorgeous. Although, honestly, I have to say, because Jason Fabuck was a guy who only came on my radar when he was doing Batman Eternal, I'm like – I, I, per, I was totally down with his shit too. The thing yeah. that mainly got me that I found fascinating uh, uh, th- was that the dark side war happens with, for me, without any sense of dark side at all in that book. Like he oh, yeah, dies, it's, it's called the dark side War, but he literally wanders in to get killed. <laughs> I Exactly. I mean, there's just, there's so much stuff going around, but like it's 90% of his scenes are literally that classic dark side stands with his hands behind his back. He turns around when someone says something and his eyes are glowing and he says something vaguely ominous. But I'm like, I was shocked by, I was like, I have no sense of what this character wants Who he is, and part of me was like, okay, I can get it because I haven't read the previous. Well, I I picked up issue forty, I think, you know, which is the first part of the prologue or whatever. But I I have not read Justice League since like issue two or three, and so part of me is like, oh, okay, it's just because this character. Has been in this book the whole time, and therefore we know. I'm like, I don't think yeah, so.
1: No, no, he's not. So. Darkseid has been in
0: this book
1: since so issue six.
0: Right. So, I mean, he issue is. Issue six,
1: so is, is the one where he does his motivation.
0: Okay. So he gets his motivation, but I'm shocked when he pops back up. He is a cipher. Both he and, I mean, Mobius, it's a little bit different. So, sorry, Mobius. slash anti monitor. You know. But,
1: Oh okay, I thought you meant i I was thinking Metroon because I was you, like, yeah, yeah It's yeah, meant yeah. to be a, a cipher.
0: yeah, yeah, no, exactly. no, no no, no the the idea of once again, Jeff Johns just has those really brilliant kind of like, oh, who, uh, let's make a Mobius that had the chair before Metron I'm like, wow, that is it's that beautifully Johnsian like it's so dumb, it's genius slash vice versa
1: well it's it's but also it's it's Grunwaldian. Yeah, I suppose so. Where yeah. did the Mobius chair come from? It right. must have belonged to someone. Who did it belong to? Huh, well, I've got this character. What if I connect them up?
0: Well, one of the things that I like is for myself, there is a little bit of the – I always assumed that Metron had had built the Mobius had chair built the himself. Chair. You know, which may – and it makes well, a lot of sense fair. with the way it's characterized. He
1: did in the Kirby.
0: Mm-hmm. Exactly.
1: There, there was actually a somewhere. And I want to say – he – there's a line – because I, I wrote for the site, that uh, the Green Lantern New Gods
0: crossover. I want to say there's a line in there that suggests that he wrote – he built the chair as well. Sure, which, which sort of makes sense to me. So one of the things – the part that I actually really liked about Justice League was the way in which Mobius – Johns twists the character in a way that makes him a lot more interesting. In the sense of the Faustian bargains that he makes, the the deals that he cuts, but also a little bit of the idea of like, he's not really able to create things. He's just sort of, he's like, he's like sort of more of a, um, you know, he's like Stephen Hawking's as a, as a trickster figure. And I'm I'm like, I think that's actually very clever and a really interesting way to make the character a little more... Um, I don't know, palatable and a narrative engine and all sorts of other stuff rather than just making him kind of a vague eh. And yet I say that and Darkseid becomes the the biggest vague eh of all in this. Like I'm like I really know have a better sense of like, you know, when Darkseid's daughter has more character motivation and her motivation is eh <laughs> I'm evil <laughs> Like, you just know no, you're, like... She also has, fuck you, dad. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Fuck you, dad, because I'm evil.
2: <laughs>
1: okay, there's, I mean, there's nuts stuff going on in it, and I kind of love it because it's nuts. Because you say you have no idea what Darkseid wants, and he's a cipher, but you also have characters like, tr- you have Lex Luthor's sis- sister try and get Lex Luthor for Darkseid. Yes. Right? Who yes. knows? And I love shit like that. Right. If... We get to the end of the story. Yeah. And there has been absolutely no explanation.
0: Yeah. and, and, it and yeah. It. yeah. Well, and there's so, also right a lot of...
1: feels yeah. very much like, where the fuck is he going with this?
0: Right. Well, I, I think one of the things that I appreciate about about Jeff Johns is it's kind of like asking... Where Creed is going with this, or where Nickelback or Journey, you know, or where's U two going with it? Actually, that's probably bad because <laughs> during the Brian Eno era. But you know what I mean. Like Jeff Johns is very much like where's he going with this? He's going for the the moment where all the video screens go pop 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 pop, and then sixteen fireworks go off on stage at once. You know, he's like he's totally sure, doing but- the the crowd pleasing greatest hit stuff, and frankly. What's great is this stuff where it works. It's just that for myself, I was shocked that it used to be he he did a little bit better job of covering all the bases a little bit, and now there's a little bit of the frenzied kind of but yeah dark side who needs a motivation for dark side? I'm not even going to have him speak but Believe me, he's going to be awesome because he's Darkseid. We all know what he's into. And I'm like, I don't know what that guy's into. I mean, you know.
1: Well, I, I, I agree and disagree because I think that th- even though Darkseid hasn't appeared since issue six, mm-hmm. Darkseid has been consistent as a as the threat in
2: the mm-hmm.
1: book. Um, it it has been so much so that it, play, it was played up at the end of For Our Evil that mm-hmm. the anti-monitor was really going to be Darkseid. Uh. that the existential that was traveling across universes looking for something was going to be Darkseid. And it's, they were like, surprise, it's the anti-monitor. Right. And so I feel that yes, it's true. Darkseid literally exists in this story to die so far. Mm-hmm. He literally comes on and you have lots to being like, I will die for Darkseid. Darkseid's like, what if I just die instead? Funny story. And then everyone's like, Darkseid is dead? Right. Without actually ever actually doing anything. Yeah, well, but...
0: and there's. I I have to say. Sorry, I don't mean I don't mean to cut you off. Continue. No, no. On you go. I the, just the one thing that really strikes me is between this and and a lot of stuff going on in with Scott Snyder's stuff is I'm like kind of remember how like Grant Morrison like did that run on X Men. And then just basically that series kind of just reverberated like a gong for like a few years afterwards while they're like, oh, this didn't happen. No, 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 wait. This did happen. No, that character exists. No, but that character didn't exist. No, 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 wait, wait. That one story that he did was so cool, but I want to do my own take on it where it's blankety blank. I feel there's a lot of like part of me is like, so this is Jeff Johns's version of Final Crisis, except it's. You know, it, it's you know, it, it, and, but also
1: with bits of multiversity thrown in there as well. Completely, like it's, it's definitely John's channeling Morrison, yeah, while also channeling himself because it's also Blackest Night again.
0: Yes, which you've mentioned, which I thought was was a really good call. Although I, I, I don't know, you know, there was something about Blackest Night where again, it just could be a difference on on where he's at. Where it just felt a little more cooked. For me, thoroughly, Knight, and I can't say uh, why.
1: Black Knight felt earned more.
0: Yeah, it really um, did. And,
1: felt, and honestly felt a little bit more coherent.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. What something is, uh, talking about Dark Side Bore, something that's interesting is they've, so now that everyone has, has more superpowers, they're doing one-shots of the various characters. Yes. Uh, Rob Williams writes the Flash one-shot, getting back to Rob Williams, and it's really good.
0: I was going to ask when I saw that, because, of course, I really did have this thing of like, hmm, what should I pick up? I didn't pick up any of the one shots, although I, I honestly had the Batman one shot from last week in my uh shopping basket for so long. I thought I had bought take it. it, it and I hadn't. I, well, and I did take, take it out. Take it out. Yeah. Because yeah,
1: yeah. Um, I will tell you right now what happens in that story. Batman with the Mobius chair goes back to Gotham, decides that he can see, he can follow probability through, so he will kill people who are going to commit crimes. And then he goes to visits Joe Chill like the ghost of Christmas past, mm-hmm. tells him that he's Bruce Wayne, the end. Wow. Yeah, that's just, that's, yeah. a, that sounds impressively terrible, I have to say. Oh, it, it's, it's not good. And the Superman one is almost as bad. So, to be honest with you.
0: This is the, the my one regret actually while reading uh, while reading Justice League was basically that Jeff Johns is not allowed it, basically Jeff Johns Superman and Luther relationship is is almost always consistently interesting to me I I honestly. It's a shame that I I don't feel like I would want to pay for them, but maybe if I can find the trades in the library, it would be worth me following Justice League after Luther joined. Just because the scenes of Luther and Superman on Apocalypse, where Superman's losing his powers and Lex Luthor is um, is basically saying... (laughs) <laughs> yeah it's being a dick but it's also kind of like no you have to trust me because I know I can't get out of this on my own kind of thing is this? I was like yeah this is th-, like I'm like this is a perfectly good plot right here everything else that you've got dressed up because there's like 9 million other bits and pieces working in, on the thing I was like maybe maybe John's really didn't have more than the scenes that he did but there was enough in those scenes that I was like A, I would read a comic book with these two characters. Um,
1: Then you want to read the first trade after Forever Evil, Mm -hmm. which is essentially Lex Luthor doing that to all of the Justice League. Right. Well- In in particular with Batman. Right. Because Bruce Wayne is the one who's like, are you fucking kidding me? No. Right. And Lex Luthor is like, I know you're Bruce Wayne- I would blackmail you into making me letting me join the Justice League. Right. And by the way, my motives are actually pure.
0: Right. Right. I and, just thought i still a dick. Uh, which, which, which I think is actually a great take on Luther. It's just for whatever reason, I feel like I enjoy it more. I enjoyed it more in this comic because part of me is like, you know who's a character who really doesn't need a foil to help you get a sense of who he is? Batman. You know, whereas like the new fifty two Superman I feel and admittedly it could it could well be that honestly there wasn't a lot in the their scenes that made me think like, oh, this is the new 52 Superman. Like, and I don't even really know if there's a need for there to split those hairs. I'm sure people would be like, no, no, no. The new 52 Superman is the pre new 52 Superman, but he no, never feels not. that way to it's me. Right? Jeff Johns,
1: Jeff Johns yeah. definitely doesn't write him that way. Jeff Johns writes him as the old Superman. I think yeah. the, the people writing the Superman books now write yeah. him differently. Yes, uh, In, in ways that are sometimes awkward. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think Gene Yang's doing some really interesting work on the Superman book, but also I don't – I never quite buy the he's a scrapper <laughs> take that, that Yang clearly has for him.
0: Right, right.
1: Um, but yeah, they, but John's always him right Like John's writes Superman is Superman is Superman.
0: Yeah, exactly. And so maybe there Even is a Morrison little
1: bit of that. And Morrison's take
0: was, it's Superman! I don't know. I that's one of the things I appreciated about Morrison is he kinda had that thing of like, Well, you know, whenever you wanted to show Superman not being Superman, you just told a story about him from when he was younger, you know? And it was like Yeah that works. So Graham McMillan, we have talked Jeff for Lester. over two hours.
1: Oh shit. We should stop then. <laughs> Exactly. People are be sick of us.
0: Well, it <laughs> really is that thing of like, man, give us enough skip weeks and we just talk for six hours on our own, you know, it's like,
1: <laughs> oh, I could keep going. I could keep going. Don't you no. worry.
0: Oh, I know. There's a, there's a variety of things that I didn't really get a chance to really check on, but that's, that's why people invented next episodes, I think. Um,
1: well, the, yes and no, because Jeff, next episode, unless I am totally insane, is our secret conversions episode.
0: You know, I was afraid you would say that, Graham, because I don't know either uh, let's see here it
1: does it is Jeff
0: oh, it is Wait, yeah. maybe we should pretend like we don't know that's going to happen while simultaneously having you plug the next episode of Secret Convergence
1: <laughs> Wait, that just gets really confusing. Why would we do that? <laughs>
0: People, I do I hope do that, that. That, that, that you did get a chance to listen to Graham on Fan Bros, uh, I want to say last week, but really that was two weeks ago, um, and then you were all over the Secret Convergence. You weren't on the Intuit episode, were you? No, I'm not,
1: but I'm on the, um, I think I'm on the Nets too,
0: <laughs> right? Yeah, I think you are. I think you are, in fact.
1: Uh, I'm trying to find a list of who is when.
0: Yeah, it's
1: uh, people
0: – go to secretconvergent.tumblr.com, um, if nothing else, because I love that picture of Gary Lactus so much on his uh, – in his trading card. But um, but yeah, let's <laughs> see. You're, yeah, the Intuit chapter is J. Rachel Edidin, Matt Wilson, Karen Schock, and of course, L. Collins.
1: Um, yeah, and, and then there is uh, – episode three is less than live. Episode right. 4 is Silence, and Episode 5 is Journey into Misery. And yeah. I'm on – so I'm on Episodes 1, 3, and 5.
0: Good God. Well, anyway, so yes. Uh, people –
1: then, then I'm done. Then you don't hear me again for the rest of the that That's
2: episodes. right. Everyone
0: – and then Jeff takes over because there's the Wait What episode, which is issue uh, 6, episode 6. And then I think I'm on uh, uh, House seven. to Astonish That's episode 7. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So – yeah, you, you you really represent the team. That's for sure. So I guess everyone, you pre- prepare to pretend to be surprised when the Beyonder shows up and whisks Graham away and gives me three different guests to to talk stuff out with. Um, that'll be the the week after this. And then the week after that is... Uh, it's a Baxter building. Baxter building. Right, and then Thanksgiving, and wow, time is really ridiculous.
1: Yeah, November later. is crazy this month. Oof. Well, I should say, this month is crazy, and it's November.
0: Yes, exactly. The craziest
1: month is a strange thing to say. Yeah,
0: yeah, that, that is true. Uh, so, right, so, Graham, so what would you, is there something that, you, that you've that you got to get off your chest before we move into our, our closing uh, comments?
1: Uh, no, because I'd probably end up just going uh, into Omega Man, which you've not read. But you should read Omega Man and we should talk about Omega Man.
0: Okay, that sounds good because I've got, I've got a bunch of back issues and I can close up the thread and it'll, it'll be worth – is it issue five, issue six? Where are issue they issue five is
1: what it's on right now. Okay,
0: great. Okay, fabulous.
1: By the time we do our next normal episode. Mm-hmm. It will issue six will be out because by the time our next way one episode happens, it'll be December.
0: Yeah, but people show up next week. Don't let Graham scare you off. Honestly, I mean, unless it's <laughs> an face episode it. of Way One next yes. week, it's yes. just
1: it's not just, a regular episode.
0: It's 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 me and a bunch of guys. Yeah, it's it's a, it's a fun episode. I have to say, I think what's, there are some. I, nice
1: what, what's the theme? I can never remember what the theme is. Uh,
0: the theme is what what I called the worm turns. Uh, characters, books, and creators that we used to love but now hate, and or vice versa. And my guests are uh, Chico Leo, the amazing Paul O'Brien from House to Astonish, and Gary Lactus from Silence. And they are all. Great fun to talk to. I have to say, uh, it's great. All of them were like, well, I'm love and hate are to, kind of I'm super towards. looking forward to it. Yeah. I, 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 we end up talking about some mighty, mighty, um, th- there's, there's some, fa- there's some very weird tributes given. Let's put it that way. So, yeah. I hope everyone checks As in. That should It'll be. be. Mm hmm. Exactly. Exactly. So, uh, Okay, well then, uh, let me just say before Graham tells everyone. Where, uh, to find us because he showed that, that we are super grateful to the crew over at American Ninth Art Studios for their continuing support of this podcast. Um, we also owe special thanks to Empress Audrey, Queen of the Galaxy, uh, for her continuing support as well as all, I want to say 113 people right now, which just seems like a, a mind boggling number to me. Oh, 114, sorry, 114 patrons supporting us. On Patreon that make it entirely possible for Graham and I to gab at you, to write posts over at uh, WaitWhatPodcast.com, where Graham and I and Matt Turrell each contribute something a week. So we're kind of in high gear. And, of course, the Baxter Building Podcast, which we do once a month, covering the first 416 issues of Fantastic Four, Literally would not exist if it was not for the awesome people at uh, at Patreon, the, our patrons at Patreon, allowing us to um, get uh, stupidly ambitious uh, with the things we want to do. So thank you, all of you. And Graham, uh, do you, do you want to tell everyone where they can find us?
1: You've actually done a great job of it. We are at, let's do it in reverse order, patreon.com forward slash Podcasts. Mm-hmm. is the URL for people who want to check out our Patreon. Uh we are also at uh Tumblr dot uh, that's not true. We are at waitwotpods dot Tumblr dot right. com. Not Tumblr dot com forward slash wait that confuse people. <laughs> we are, oh, as Jeff said, com, where you'll find written posts as well as show notes for this episode and every single episode that we do. Also occasionally we do round tables. Which yes. uh, for people who have not checked it out and are wondering what the hell Jeff and I were referring to, often you might want to go and check it out. It, it was super fun chat that uh, you and and Matt had. I thought it, uh, we should do it again.
0: I'm looking forward to doing it again. Uh, in fact, we we've got we we need to talk off air about trying to yeah I know
1: it. Uh, about plans. Mm-hmm. Yes, um, we're also on t- I should Say that I say that every episode, but it's still true. Mm-hmm. Twitter.com, we are at. Wait, what Podcast. Jeff mm-hmm. is on Twitter solo, at Lazy Bastard, L-A-Z-Y-B-A-S-T-I-D. I am also on Twitter solo, at, Ray-M-M, at G-R-A-E-M-E-M. Mm-hmm. That's where all of us are. I would say we're arguably more most active on Twitter. Oh, uh, Tom Tumblr mm-hmm. occasionally has random things like me working out exactly what percentage Star Wars is of the Marvel thing. Or reposting strange art like I did today of Tom Palmer's uh portrait of Roy Schneider from 2010
0: yeah which was amazing uh and, and the actually,
1: entire Tom Palmer Tumblr Jeff
0: yeah Tom Palmer Tumblr should be there is wait there is is that there is
1: Tomm Palmer illustration.tumblr.com wow it's like it's original Tom Palmer art wow his paintings his his uh pencils for projects there's some great stuff up there.
0: Yeah, that sounds amazing, and uh, and actually, even though the Tumblr is mostly Graham's Jam, uh, which you you pop in there, I do, I do. In fact, I, I I had a couple of of I I would like to actually get it to where I put up a couple of at least like a panel from everything that I'm reading, at least digitally, and I, and that's kind of my goal to do that um, more often. So, yeah, check it out. Uh, you do know. have Superman. Saying, I'm very fond of girls up there right now. <laughs> I I oh, love that Superman. battle. Uh, I thought that, <laughs> that was just such great. That it's it's really interesting because that issue it, it, that's from the uh, one of the Supergirl sales issues, uh, Brave and the Bold. I want to say I don't remember the issue, but it's it's uh, Wonder Woman and Supergirl teaming up. It's written by Bob Haney, and it is. It it is the most terrifying thing that Bob Haney has perhaps ever written because it...
1: That's it, saying a lot.
0: It really is. Like, even by a Bob Haney... I think it's one thing when Bob Haney just happily tramples over the conventions of... To what superheroes are or usually in the case of Brave and the Bold, what Batman is and really expand your mind in a good way. This is him taking on the complex issue of feminism in a way that makes you say, oh, God, Bob Haney. No, please. No. And at each page turn, it really does a oh. great job of getting worse. Yeah.
1: I well, I know what I'm going to be reading tonight, ladies and gentlemen. Yes,
0: exactly, exactly. That issue is pretty much sort of the what's what's the phrase the kids use like your faves are problematic. For problematic, <laughs> that it 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 should be that should be in the watermark on every page because it is so <laughs> true. It is so
1: true. Uh, on on um uh, today not the way about tumblr but i think i'll retumble it for, for that uh i shared the image from Liartown town usa of the big book of online fan culture
0: oh my god
1: the cover is the big book of online fan culture uh the the cover is a woman leaning into a baby who is just screaming at her <laughs> <laughs> and the, the subtitle is your faves are problematic because no one who thinks like you creates anything worthwhile <laughs> I love that so much. Um, People, thank you very much for listening. Uh, We are back next week for a special episode of What, And then the following week, we're back for a Baxter building. In the meantime, listen to the Secret Convergence episodes, where Jeff and I appear on various other people's podcasts. Uh, And go to secretconvergence.tumblr.com for information on which episodes and when they're going live. Mm -hmm. Jeff, would you like that?
0: Mm, I could give it a try. It's always a little appalling, and I don't think I uh, 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 had any water. Okay, here's a, here, okay, wait, wait, wait. Yes.
1: Do you want to sing us out on a different note?
0: I don't. I do you want
1: to low? because I go high.
0: I know you do, which is charming and fun when it works. But I, I, it's also it's like when you miss, it's understandable. You know what I mean? Like, but <laughs> I can see myself going for a low note, I, one that anyone I can think, hit, and I just think
1: I could miss when I'm not really going for anything in particular.
0: Like I'm not aiming for a note. <laughs> See, that's what I'm saying. It's a zen sing out. So I don't know. Uh, and Just and do what you feel, man. <sighs> okay, everyone. I think that's what I felt. Yeah, that was good. That sigh felt really good. Okay.
1: Uh, hey everyone. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> that's great.
0: I'm gonna go with that. <laughs>